0: to close lines and headlines 2.0 take it away Ryan Gray.
1: There's connection. You're back with episode 7 of Closed Lines and Headlines 2.0. Now if NXT merges with the UK, obviously they happen. If they change their name, do we have to change the name to 2.0? What do you guys think? Do we? No, maybe, maybe.
2: You mean change it to Europe? Close yeah, lines like Europe?
1: close lines and headline Europe or whatever brand seems to spread it. Or if they do like a 3.0, we're gonna have to kick someone out and bring someone else in. New. What do you think? The yeah,
2: yeah, the Chikara tag team 3.0. So we might get confused with that. We'd have to skip the 4.0. So. Ugh, all right,
1: enough of this
0: bullshit. Maybe we just have to. Maybe we just have to change our gimmick. I,
2: mean,
1: hmm. I don't know. But can we keep the jizz colored level letters? Uh, you know, that's cool with me. If that's cool with you guys, always. All right, big jizz guy. Oh, yeah. All right, speaking of big, speaking of big jizz guy, our first repeat guest, Mike Eller. What is up, buddy? You're the first one to come back second time
3: club. I I didn't get scared away. Uh, you guys did. <laughs> you guys did all right. Uh, you guys do have a great show here. And uh, outside of the shows I've been on, I've listened to all obviously, and uh, definitely happy to be back.
1: Awesome, dude. Rocco, how are you?
2: I am good. I am very good. I'm excited for today. I'm happy to have Mike back. Uh, from what I heard, he he was he was kidnapped by Justin, I believe, for uh, the Royal Rumble podcast. But we got him back. We went, we have Neeson style. We kidnapped him back, and he's back on our show where he belongs. <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> no, it's not what um, happened. But oh, you were close. Uh, I, I met Mike Rossi at the end of our sorry at the end of our last show. He disappeared, and we didn't know what happened to him. Oh, my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I fell off a cliff. <laughs> oh, I thought you were kidnapped for uh, nefarious reasons. But thanks for having you back for everyone. Mike, thanks for coming back.
1: Yes, me and Rocco went on for about 15 minutes about, about CM Punk in AEW. So I'm curious. How that age, I was curious, maybe I'll go back and take a peek at this, that one and see how it went. We're talking about No So Network, where we did, la- where we previewed the Labor Day weekend. Wasn't affiliated under the line of the headlines, but we did a little extra pod previewing the weekend. So if you haven't heard that and you want to go back and listen to our predictions and see what we got wrong and see what we got right, that's there for the taking if you want it. But anyways, guys, the news of the week. Guys, we've had some serious heavy hitters news starting this podcast if it's sasha vince triple h whatever lawsuits ndas whatever but the biggest one is here now guys last night on nxt do drop won her first match on wwe tv since february 7th where she defeated Liv morgan now rocco where are you on that like how pumped are you for that
2: i think it's great i think it's about time i like having people that look different than other people and uh it's a good sign that shows maybe like we don't have the same uh dumb fucks who thought that becky lynch wasn't attracted enough enough to be the champ maybe those people aren't making stupid decisions anymore so i'm uh super excited and uh you know i've been uh watching a lot of her uh tag stuff and uh she's fucking awesome and she could be a really big cool that was a pejorative but she could be a fucking awesome addition to the roster because she is like a fucking something that they don't have and she's really good (laughs) and uh i love it and just remember everyone um there's room for everyone like wrestling's supposed to be about people that look differently and are from different places and wrestle differently and talk differently and stuff like that. So I was super psyched and I uh, I didn't even realize that. So glad to see it happen.
1: Dude, you really just did 45 seconds on a slice news fucking thing. That's fake news, buddy. Uh, I just didn't want to open up with Braun Strowman. <laughs> Braun Strowman returned to Raw last night.
2: <laughs> I have the opposite <laughs> opinion on why he's back. But uh, Go ahead.
1: I know. I didn't want to start with them, but drop did with her first match this February. I saw that. And I thought we've got a kind of funny to poke on, but you did 45 seconds on drop So kudos to you, dude. We are off to a hell of a terrible start. But anyway, it's a, sign, it's a
2: great it's a great sign for things to come. There you
1: go. I like I like Dewdrop, but I, <laughs> I just can't get over it. You're the man, Rocco. All right. Bro, Rod Stroben is back. He returned to Raw last night during the weekend. It leaked that he was returning to the WWE this Monday on Raw. But however, he returned in the middle of the four way number one contender tag team match. And it was quite a shocking spot actually. But now uh it was I don't know, Braun is give or take, but in the mid card, upper mid card, is kind of like a placeholder, a fun attraction guy. Yeah, did he bury half of the tag division? Sure. Whatever. But at the end of the day, it was an exciting spot to bring him back. It was shocking. And he has now moved to the SmackDown side. I'm not a huge Braun Strowman guy. I'm willing to give him a, like a shot under Triple H and see where it goes. But I don't know. Eller, where are you at with Strowman? You like him. You, lo- you love him. You dig him. You hate him. Indifferent. Where to, what about you, buddy?
3: I, I, I go the indifferent route. Like there were times where I really liked him in like his, I guess, post Wyatt. Like whenever he got like his real big single push, like I thought he was good to start. Then you know fell a little bit. Uh, you know he just been he changed heel the face so many times. I just kind of lost interest in him. I really got tired of him when he won the belt. You know it was during the pandemic. Uh, just that feud with Wyatt really sucked. And it was you know when Roman came back and won the belt. It was just such a breath of fresh air. So uh, I'm willing to give him a chance though. You know compared to like o- Omos, um, and all the other big dudes they have. You know he's definitely way better than them. And I've got to add, the dude looked so freaking happy to be there, like just like he just looked excited. So maybe he's going to be, you know, reinvigorated. Maybe we'll get more of a actual push instead of start stop start stop start stop. So I'm indifferent, but
1: I'm also optimistic and I'm intrigued. At the end of the day, I just think he's like a pretty good tag wrestler, but he has a big name value and he really isn't for us hardcores. He is for the house show you know attendees he's the he's i bet you are the mother of the children bring him and remember ron Strowman. he has the big entrance music he looks like a million dollars he's a ball of energy and i believe that the reports were that he was a huge 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 plus on house shows so for the triple h to bring that back overall type of look there saying, all right, let's get this guy. He's good depth to the uh, house shows. And however we use him on TV is however we use him on TV. But anyways, a little sad news, honestly, Pat McAfee is gone till honestly around January is the report because he is taking a ESPN college game day gig. So that is early Saturday mornings. I assume that he would need to fly in late Friday night and have production meetings, yada, yada, yada. But WWE seemed to be excited for the opportunity for Pat. They did the right thing, I guess, in a way. And he just restructured his deal. And I wonder if this had something to do with it or if, some, if something like this came up. But he's gone till the end of the year or if not the beginning of next year. And, uh, you know, honestly, it might not be the worst thing. Absence grows the heart fonder. It gives him like a, maybe he can reset and reload. He's been fine under Triple H, but he's been starting to get a little stale, and a little wonky in a, in a weird way. I don't want to say so, but in a weird way, he was getting a little stale, a little wonky. But overall, I I don't want to see him go. He's he's electric, Rossi. I know you're a big Pat fan. You know what? How'd you take this sad news? Because at the end of the day, it is sad news.
0: Yeah, I was pretty bummed. Uh, mostly because I don't really think that there's a lot of people that can fill that void and give you half of what he does on a weekly basis. Um, I think like the coolest thing I could think of is maybe they bring Barrett up and bring Nigel back to NXT. Um, but Barrett's not I mean, he does a lot of things good, but it's not anywhere near Mac if he brings to that broadcast. So I'm bummed. I mean, we got Smackdown here in a month in Worcester, and I'm bummed that we're not gonna get his entrance and getting to watch his theatrics. I feel like the two SmackDowns I've gone since he's been on, he's like the most entertaining part of the show. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound like he's gonna come back and go right into the booth either. Um, the way that it all reads. Um, it seems like he's always going to be part of the WWE family. It seems like he'll be on like maybe to do a match here or there, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be a regular, maybe even again. Um, so, I mean, who do you, who do we think's going to replace him? That That's my big thing because there's a lot of spots here that he could fit in um, that people can fit into this to sit next to Cole. And Cole's been great. You know, I've loved his work on, on pay-per-view since um, Vince has been gone. Um, but I don't think they're going to give – Graves double duty, so I'm a little worried about who they give him in the McAfee spot.
1: Well, I think Graves is the plan in the short term, but honestly, last week there's a guy that returned to TV, and that guy is JBL. So it might be easy, something as simple as that. Yeah. He's going to kind of reload Corbin a little bit, and they might use him on TV. Barrett was awesome; is an awesome idea, but you know what's a terrible idea? Eller, mama effing Mia. Oh, <laughs> what if what if we get Morrow back? <laughs> I don't know, man. Eller, who would you pick out of that bunch?
3: Definitely not Morrow, but definitely, definitely not Morrow. I would go with Wade. Okay. I don't know what his, like Wade Barrett. I don't know what his, like if he wants to like stay in Orlando full time, but he, I I think he's great with Vic. Um, I think that he, like he's funny. Like, I don't think he's good as Pap, but he's like, he's good with, and sometimes maybe he's like too pro heel or a little bit like, he hits it a little too much on the nose, but I, I really enjoy him. He makes me laugh. Um, he's willing to dig on the the babyface commentator a lot. He's like with toxic attraction, he's like not king pervy, but you can tell he's like obsessed with Mandy Rose. But he does it in like a subtle way, which is okay, I suppose. Um so yeah, I'd go with I would go with Wade. Yeah,
1: I think that's the essence of, you know, overall feeling. Rocco, any different? That's a good point, a good
2: choice. And then you move Nigel over to NXT. He knows a lot of the NXT uh, UK guys, and he's super underrated. I think he's fucking really mm-hmm. good on commentary. So I think that'd be a perfect way to get Nigel seen until maybe they relaunch the UK, uh, the Europe uh, version. So yeah, I like that idea, and I like my idea yeah. as well.
1: Agree. Maybe even Nigel on SmackDown too. I thought a,
2: about that too, but I think yeah. Wade's a little funnier and kind of brings a little more yeah, levity to. So I think that's the only reason why. But I think Nigel could do it if they really wanted a little more of a serious thing. But if they're going to go from Pat, I think they're going to still want a guy who can crack a couple jokes while Cole's the straight man.
1: Yeah, I just think Nigel, just because how good they were together at the UK show back in 2017.
2: But. Yeah, that was really good. But that's not the direction that they're going to
1: want on the Fox show, I don't think. And then news today breaks that the royal rumble is officially coming to san antonio texas again texas for another stadium show uh, you know if you're a wwe traveler you're like a oh, fucking texas again what the fuck but the alamo dome has held i believe two previous royal rumbles 2017 and 1997 of course both being pretty electric royal rumbles so the alamo, alamo dome is a pretty good place for the rumble it's just unfortunate that we were just in dallas you know six months ago or whatever but on this WWE Royal Rumble poster, I figure it'd be interesting to look at the names on the poster. From the top, we got Drew McIntyre, Ronda Rousey, Oscar, the Street Profits, Riddle, Edge, Styles, the New Day, Charlotte, Rhea, Bailey, Bobby Lashley, front and center, Rey Mysterio, Rollins, KO, Brock Lesnar, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Austin Theory hiding in the corner, Becky Lynch, big, big ass stomp, Shayna Baszler hiding in the corner, and the Usos. So, Oh, and then you got the Brawling Brutes hiding too. So, interesting names there. Kind of confirming that Brock should be back around the Rumble. I don't think that's a huge surprise, but that's also promising. And then, you know, it's kind of, you got Liv over there in the corner looking all big. Rhea front and center. Lashley and KO front and center. And then you got like AJ and Becky hiding in the background. So, those are some of the names. Maybe we'll get into later and we'll get into a little landmark. like Ryan's thing is a little Royal Rumble adjacent. Let's just say that.
0: What is it really? What's going on here? you
2: got the system for total control. Now is there anybody out there? Now watch yourself for you because we can't go.
1: What is All right, guys. WWE TV report. Clash of the Castle review. Guys, overall, I thought this was an excellent pay-per-view. Out of 10, I would go 8. You know, 8.1. Uh, my excitement was an 8.6, I believe I had it at last week. and it lived up, So it lived up to the hype. I thought it was great. I think the three big matches delivered. I think the undercard that was, wasn't was that offensive. The two tag matches were fun, and the SmackDown title match was Liv's best match on a very low scale. But overall, I want to kind of dig deep into these big, big matches that happened here. Let's waste no time and get into it. The biggest match of them all being Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. This felt really, really big. Honestly, bigger than the Brock matches. First, we get the broken dreams for what, 75, 90 seconds, and the build-up through the Drew's journey through the WWE, getting fired and everything, and coming back, going through NXT, and just looking fan fucking tastic. And they delivered this. They delivered the song. They delivered a beautiful video package, and then Drew McIntyre came out looking like he worked at the dollar store with just, like, his tights on and his sword. He looked so naked. He felt so empty. still felt like a super big star, and he looked like he was ready for fucking battle. That's, you know, kudos to them. That was fantastic pre-match work, and honestly... I was hyped. I was just like, there's no chance Drew's losing this after kind of being like, yeah, no way is Roman's losing. And then, and then just slowly building up the confidence with Drew within you. And I, I was super hyped for that. And it's, it really, it's been a while since I was that hyped for a WWE match, really. No Heyman, no Usos or Sammy flanking Uso. You know, the the announcers were hammering that the Uso, Big Goose is alone for this one. A little foreshadowing maybe, but hey, Cool the you know have Drew come out like that. Cool the Roman have come out and I thought it added to the prestige of the match. And then we saw Scar- Scarlet and Cross sitting ringside, along with Fury sitting behind the announcers. Not much from Scar- Scarlet and Cross, just you know an ominous stare and pointing at each other and threatening. You know they're building. They're actually doing a pretty good job with Cross and I'm you know it's promising in this role. This squash was Gulak was real good. And I and I'm I'm not a big Cross guy as we've gone over, but I'm optimistic about what they're gonna do with him. The match started slow. It was a super strong build, but really the slow start didn't matter. The aura was there and it never dimmed. The build was really solid in the middle of the match. The moments in the falls were starting to mount on top of each other, and just this match was just a slow, epic build. The theory cash in attempt was perfect. It was so well done. But you had the double knockdown spot. And then Theory's music hit. He's dragging the ref with him. He goes over to the announce table where the ring bell is and says he's cashing in money in the bank. And then I I didn't even see it coming. Fury just knocks him out for the best of the match, for the best of the two men in the ring. And it it was just awesome. So now this is back-to-back pay-per-views. Cash-ins with uh, Theory teasing them and then not and not being able to do it but just really just stepping on the gas a little bit it's a, it's really nice character development for theory and i think they're doing a really good job with him while not shoving him down your face all right so the theory brings out the extra ref and it's a perfect opportunity for when they have that ref bump because the spear on little Nate? so that theory bringing up the extra ref was perfect for the jesus christ the setup the one the two, the three, I for, honestly, I forgot about that. That's been built for a massive stadium show like this and they haven't gone to it lately, but the equity is, was in it, was with it. And this stadium blew off with the one, two, three. And I honestly thought that it was over. I thought that it was going to be countered, but when he licked it, Roman sold that like a fantastic whatever. He killed that cell, and I thought they had him into solo, Socola, pulled out the referee. He took off the hood, and it was a nice, cool moment. Everyone kind of was like, who's that? But they kind of knew who he was. You can't deny him. He looks just like his brothers. Then Roman goes home, smacks the spear, and I still thought that Drew had a chance, but it was it. It was the right call. And then as soon as the bell was over, I was kind of I was just like, wow, they convinced me in the build that, Drew was going to win, but after they pulled solo, pulled out the ref, Drew just was so emotionally drained. He felt he had it that he was, Roman was dead and he knew it. The ref pulled him and he was emotionally drained. He couldn't overcome it. The spear ended him and he just looked spent and disappointed. He sold the loss so well. Roman just cool hand Luke grabbed little loose said, yeah, well that's what's up, bro. And they went to the back, just the coolest guys in the room you know we'll get into the solo in a second but man that thing was absolutely beautiful I'll take real life drama in the build of a match over any you know super spot fest that's kind of crazy and wonky but man they convinced me Drew was going to win in the build they convinced me Drew was going to win in the match and then when Roman won I was relieved I didn't really at the end of the day I, I didn't think I wanted Drew to win and I was super happy that Roman won Roman is the money but Drew would have been the moment and what a piece of business that was from the opening video package all the way to Drew getting defeated and well then we got to sing along I don't know I guess it came out today that it wasn't supposed to be on TV but I understand why they did it you know Fury being from Europe or being from wherever fucking all the Brits are wonky you get it but when he won the World Heavyweight Boxing Championship they did the whole American Pie thing, and he sang to his wife. So everyone, so that was for the live crowd. It wasn't for us. It made Drew feel a little weird or whatever. But again, at the end of the day, Brits are fucking wonky. We all know that. All right, Eller, was it the right call to have Roman win?
3: I like, as a fan, I I said no. I say no because I was just like you. I was just so Drew. It just was so awesome in this whole build, but. I think i would go yes that it was okay because there's still unfortunately there's still two belts on roman i really think they need to split that and if you're looking like if they were gonna just have one of the titles on the line i think i would have been more okay with that but i think right now um if you're keeping both belts together for the time being i think reigns is the best move for long-term business um you know cody's going to be due back in a little bit and Just three months ago, like Cody with his torn pec, that was like the guy that we were talking about. That's a guy that everybody is going crazy about that could face Reigns. Um, We still don't know if Rock, I mean, I, I, who knows um, if that happens in Los Angeles or if people do know, I, I personally don't, but um, we'll see. And I still think Drew looks great. Um, You know, he lost, but he came off like a total star. He's, in the past, you know, Drew's beaten Brock Lesnar. He's beaten Randy Orton um, to a lesser extent, but still an awesome guy. He's beaten Sheamus and some really good feuds and some really good matches in the past. So I don't ever see Drew dropping be to- below like a top tier guy, like, you know, never maybe a, a range level, obviously, but I think he's always going to be a star. So it did, uh, they did a great job. I, that's one of my, I don't know, I felt like, I, just the storytelling was just so awesome, and it was awesome. There was another match I thought was really awesome in that show, and uh, just props to both guys because they worked their ass off. They you could tell they were tired, but you know they weren't like gassed or anything like that. But you could tell they worked their ass off. So um, I would, I'm fine with the Roman win.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't like I said earlier. I thought they were, they kind of swayed me. They kind of made me think it, and then they, I was like, oh my god, they, he can't lose, but. Man, when Roman won, I never wanted it. I always wanted Roman to win. Roman's the money dude, and it shouldn't be Drew. Drew doesn't need it. If, Like you said, hopefully they split those belts soon, and then we can consider getting one on Drew. All right, Rossi, where does Solo fall on the depth chart on the SmackDown roster, mid-card, upper-mid-card, and where would you position him within the bloodline?
0: So, I mean he definitely seems like somebody that they wanted to elevate by putting him in such a big spot. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy's pretty good. I mean, I, I don't think that he's ready to be like in a main event picture, but you know, I could see him mixing it up with your Sheamus's in the, of the world, like pretty much right away. Um, and you know, Seamus obviously showed, we'll talk about it in a bit, how fucking good of a wrestler he was on this show. Right. So I think there's, so there's a lot of equity here with this guy. I think he's going to be able to, really grow into a role here. And when you think about the fact that um, Sammy Zayn's probably going to eventually be out of the, the bloodline, um, he's going to be a pretty natural fit right here. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what they do with solo. I like him as an act quite a bit. Um, and I ultimately think that he's somebody that's going to find his way up that card pretty quickly. And I think he's going to, you know, pretty much fit seamlessly right in there. Cause he's just another one of the hall, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm curious where he Falls in height-wise on this roster. He's got, you know, he's got a girth. He comes across big, and he's got the family bloodline, so he's gonna be fine. But, you know, I, I'm just curious. And then again, does height really even matter anymore with Triple H and, so, you know, involved? So that, that could not even matter. All right, Rocco, how good was that sing-along? Would you, what would you consider that past Would you have done better? Would would that have been your song selection, and has American Pie ever been a death metal song? <laughs>
2: uh, he, I, I'd say he had a good voice. Uh, it was a little strange hearing a Brit sing a song about like um, the death of the idyllic 50s and uh, the big bopper dying in a plane crash of, um, <laughs> about this whole thing. It was very strange. The crowd seemed to know what the hell was going on. I mean, I kind of knew the whole Deontay Wilder thing. Um, it's a song I don't ever need to hear again. It's like such a lame song, and uh, I don't know if it's ever been uh, death metalized. Um, my band covers Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, so there's that. Um, I didn't really love his handshake of Roman. I don't know what. I don't know if that really what kind of how that fit. I mean, was that supposed to be Roman saying like you helped me out by knocking out Theory? I don't really know how that whole thing worked out with how I that. It's
1: a little respect thing, you know.
2: Yeah, but... Game-recognized game. Why does he give him respect? They took him getting uh, carrying Cross a distraction, and his fucking cousin had to help him win the match. It's not really respect. Like, he didn't... Theory should be like, you fucking cheated, motherfucker. So, I don't know. I just didn't dig that.
1: Yeah, the biggest boxer in the world, the biggest wrestler in the world. Got him. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Um, I, I like the no dudes being at ringside. I kind of... It's set up because you really kind of put that out of the back of your mind that it could happen. So, him coming in, Sequoia coming in, really was a total shock because if the Usos were around ringside or even Paul, even if he's not in the camera angle, you could, you still, you know, they're there, you know? So I thought that was really savvy. I don't know if that's the reason why I'm I'm sure there was DOIs that were involved, but yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And um, one of my favorite things with Reigns and I think discussed, is his, his, his best thing I think is selling his frustration and he really does it well. And at some points, like when he was walking down that ramp at the end, I was like, he's obviously frustrated a little bit, but is he projecting that, he's frustrated with getting taken to the limit or that he can't do it without these guys because he can't do it without these boys. He's almost like a, like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas where he's projecting his insecurities on, like... So he's always, you know, talking down to Jay and uh, obviously these guys. So, I don't know, it's kind of like a weird projection thing that I think is really good that he does. And he always really sells that well, and I like that a lot. And I, I really... That was really impressive that you picked up on the, uh, the emotional... Um, aspect of drew not getting the pin in that moment because it's a really it's a thing if you play sports you know what happens when adrenaline stops if a match if a, there's an injury on the field it, it could just fuck up the rest of the your game you know and even in other stuff you watch a movie and the sound gets a little wonky it really takes you out um or in a if you're playing in a band and the fucking uh, string breaks or something it fucks up everything so i really thought that was perceptive of you i'm impressed that you have that depth in your uh, brain to do that so uh, you did good on that one and I think that's a really good point, and I like that a lot. So uh, yeah, I liked it too.
1: He just knew that Roman is so goddamn good, and he sold that moment so well. And he knew that Roman's so good, and that was his only shot he had. That he gave it his best shot. He hit him with his best move. He had the most momentum. And he keeps
2: he, saying best. He, he he's, but he needs people to help him. you am not really Yeah, but he's he's like for him. I don't think he's selling that Roman's so good. I think he's selling that Roman has all these things at his arsenal that he doesn't have. He's got three dudes now and Paul Heyman and you know, Belts to hit people with, like, what is, Drew has a sword that he, you know, can't stab people with, so, I don't know, I think it's more that aspect of, like, how many people do I have to fight to beat this guy? I got the 70,000 people, and he pulls out this random dude, cousin of his, out of nowhere, and I still can't take him, so, I I, I think you're underselling that aspect of it.
1: Well, he took him out on SmackDown, he took Sammy and the Usos out on SmackDown, Paul's not around, so he had the one-on-one shot, and he caught him in that one-on-one moment, and it was over and then the Uso shows or the third, the solo so- Sokoa shows up and he's like, I'm just done right now. I have no more energy. This has been a bruising fight. I fought fair. I had him in the moment. I set myself up for success. And then he pulls this out of his fucking ass. I can't deal with this right now. And he sold that moment perfectly.
2: Yeah, It's kind of like people dealing with the horsemen
1: back in the day, right? Like,
2: In a okay. way, yeah. How much do I got to do? That's never going to be enough
1: yeah but overall this was fantastic cinema from start to finish and the sing-along was whatever <laughs> <laughs> all right brutal gunther sheamus ic title absolutely epic um imperium was back really cool moment great timing with that too you know it it, it was just it was a nice surprise a nice pop a nice add excitement to this match they got in and they got out they I don't, you know the whole brawling around Sheamus. And uh, Gunther staring at each other. It's kind of lame, to be honest. But it's necessary. It got everyone out of the picture. It kind of set these two guys as the big, big, big destructive leaders. And then all the foil around them just really had to go away. So it was it was done well. But it, the overall sentiment of them just staring at each other is kind of lame. All right. So let's just go over this little graph I saw on Twitter the next day on this fucking Haas battle. All right, so this match was 19 minutes and 38 seconds. Strikes: Sheamus had 104, Gunther had 84. S- uh, Strike downs: six for Sheamus, 16 for Gunther. Grapples: three for Sheamus, five for Gunther. Dives: one for Sheamus, zero for Gunther. Submissions: zero. Held, uh, Sheamus held a submission for zero seconds. Gunther held one for 52 seconds. The Boston crowd. Count triggers three for Sheamus, two for Gunther. Weapon attacks, three for Sheamus, two for Gunther. Four taunts for Sheamus, six taunts for Gunther. Big offense, not sure what that means, but let's go with it. 10 for Sheamus, 25 for Gunther. Finishers, zero for Sheamus, one for Gunther. Gunther, one. Sheamus match offense, this is a fucking Brit that wrote this, by the way. The spelling's all terrible, so it's throwing me off. Match offense, 49% Sheamus. Strike rate was 60, 6% for Sheamus. Reversal rate was 16%. 51% match offense for Gunther. Strike rate was 18%. Reversal rate was 19%. So ProWrestlingMusing.com brings us that stat. So I thought that was interesting. 84 strikes for Gunther and 104 gu- strikes for Sheamus. No offense to Sheamus, but I feel like Gunther had three times more. All right. So after the battle, these fucking Gunther, unbelievable lariat. Put JBL to shame. Un- like, Sheamus sold that like a million bucks. Gunther delivered it like a million dollars. Great finish. Kudos both guys. Eller, is this match overhyped or would you? F- is this an all-time classic?
3: Can it be both? <laughs> like, I thought, honestly, it was my third favorite match of the night um, behind the main event and behind uh, a match we'll get to later. But uh, I still freaking loved it. Um, it, Like, I, I guess I felt like I had heard on so many different shows or, you know, everything, like the previews and just like how they were building this match. I had already played this match in my head like so many times even before it happened. Um, I hope this doesn't come off like a hot take, but it kind of felt like an AEW TV main event for me where there's a lot of hype into it. Like everyone's talking about, it's great. And I did think it was great, but I don't know if I'll have like that much. I don't know if I'll remember it that like, you know, in six months or something like that. that's not something I'm going to be thinking about for like my favorite matches of the year. Um, again, I, I, I really did like the match, but I, it just wasn't, I just didn't Sometimes I like it a little, like matches a little bit sl- slower. Um, and the st- even though I don't think the storytelling was bad or anything like that, I I just, I don't know. It didn't, con- it didn't 100% connect with me. Like I, I appreciated how badass it was. And there's sometimes I love those matches, but just, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to bash a match I think was great, but it wasn't one of my all-time favorite matches, no.
1: Interesting. Any of you guys got to add to that? Rocco, how did you feel
2: about the match? i really enjoyed it um i could see like mike it might be the type of thing where you it's overhyped. hyped you maybe you watch it again without the hype in your brain and you appreciate it more but you know sometimes things just don't click if they're in your head how they you want them to do um i i disagree with you ryan about this stare the stare down which i thought was incredible i thought that was like perfect in fit gunther brought his boy back because he knew seamus he's the general right like it was like generals in armies and they he needed the one extra guy to neutralize the two guys that Seamus had, and they knew that shit was going to get wild. You can't knock it wild with a uh, you know Bulldog Butch running around out there, and they brought it. And he neutralized that. and He knew they were going to fight, and it's kind of like you let the you let the the artillery, the uh, the opening, the the guys in the front lines. You let them clear the battlefield, and then at the end, the two generals come in. Two, and it's not even like a Hogan warrior like battling gods, but these are just men, and it's built on respect and respect through violence and like having the chaos and calamity around the ring, which it would be because that's why he brought Vinci, v- Vinci back was to neutralize that Seamus's boys. And I think Seamus knows his boys are a little out of control. So he, he didn't have a problem and let them clear the canvas and let them paint their like, you know, fucking violent fucking artistry on that ring. So I liked it. And I like that they didn't, cause those guys are below them. They're the generals they're in charge. So yeah, you, you let them, let the, let the kids fight. And well, the adults will, uh, you know, will set our all differences outside. Um, the clothesline was fucking insane. Love that. It's like a Japanese match, death match, where you get crazy explosions and barbed wire, and like, what's gonna kill this guy? Oh, I'll just take his fucking head off with a clothesline. So, I think I'm definitely higher on it than Mike. I definitely think it's a type of match you might be able to show to someone who didn't doesn't watch wrestling and get them kind of hyped on yeah. what wrestling could do. Kind of like a Brock uh, Roman match from uh, Mania that time. That was like just pure violence, which I always like. Uh, big guys like that, big violent matches like that. So um, I think I'm higher it than Mike. And uh, yeah, I think even just thinking about it makes me and think like it more. <laughs> if I tell you the truth.
1: No, I haven't had a go- chance to go back and watch it. But if you know, if you want to steal JT and Marcus's formula of four and a quarter being an all-time match and higher, I would definitely say it's in that category. It's probably closer to four and a half or maybe even four and three quarters. I don't think I think I saw five going around and I don't really think it's five, but I would say it's closer to four than five. But it's definitely above all time for me. And kudos to Triple H and the booking team. They have the foresight to bring back Vinci and then to have Vinci Walter feel like you need to bring him back by having Barcel lose to Butch the night before on SmackDown. So that's a cool little like. All right, so we kind of not throwing shit at the wall here. We have an actual plan. We have a storyboard, and we want to build to moments and make to have this shit make sense. But just the – I can't let it go. The optics of them running around and these guys just staring at each other. Yeah, I like the general feel, but it's just kind of silly, I think. I love the idea of it, and I love – it's just the, the optics of them just staring for fucking four minutes as these guys bit, brawl around them. It's just like whatever. So – Rossi, you want to add? What did you think of the match? Did, does it live up to the hype? Are you closer to Rocco, closer to Eller, and somewhere in the middle with me?
0: I fucking loved it. Um, I think this this felt like a Walter indie match. Um, I really, you know, I, I this was why the, the, this match played out pretty much exactly how I expected it to, um, and these two just beating the piss out of each other um Seamus looked like such a stud in this match um his selling was off the charts I mean he looked like his chest looked like hamburger meat like three minutes in um he just kept getting up kept getting up um he was just uh, a warrior here I can't say enough good about it um I mean I don't think it's like a five-star match but it's probably like a solid four and a half and and I think that these two just beat the piss out of each other and that's the type of wrestling that I really like
1: so I'm all for it now is this Sheamus Rossi? Is this Sheamus best match one on one? And is Sheamus a babyface now?
0: I don't know. Like he's definitely a babyface for that crowd, but I mean he should have more respect, you know, domestically than he did, you know, before. But ultimately, yeah, I mean if if Butch and um, Ridge turn on him, I'm I'm cool with that. I think Sheamus could get another run in as a baby, and you know him and him and she- him and um, Gunther for sure. Should have more matches. So um, if that's what we have to do to get to that point, I'm all for it. Um, Yeah, let's say that he is moving
1: forward. Interesting. I hope one day he gets the IC. It's well-deserved. And honestly, I wouldn't even rule out, like, a transitional universal championship run from him just to kind of cut a a bow on his career and give him the full send of all the belts. All right, uh, Rocco, bringing back Imperium – Does that accelerate the Gunther up the card or give him something to sink his teeth into besides the Intercontinental Championship in the mid-card in the meantime?
2: I mean, with the lack of a a main guy, he is kind of the main title picture (laughs) because he's going to probably be main eventing some SmackDowns and and stuff like that. So Imperium, just having them is awesome because the tag division can always use another tag team and they're Mm -hmm. fucking incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just makes, uh, Gunther's aura even more impressive than just having one dude who kind of announces him. He's got a, another guy, you know, and they could, they could do it. By, they could win the tag titles and he could have the Intercontinental title and have a real cool optic thing. Um, the one thing that's strange is that he's kind of only a heel because he's a foreigner, which <laughs> is always kind of strange, you know, <laughs> like. Well, this is
1: doubling down on that. By, yeah, by four well, four. he
2: doesn't cheat like Butch is always getting crazy and bring, like, you know, Imperial doesn't cheat that much. I don't remember them doing it that much. But uh, know, it's just kind of interesting how he's going to be portrayed because I just because I guess if you're just dominant and beating up people that people like, it, it's it, you're kind of a bad guy. But um, I just making that team together and whole again is the smartest thing they could have done for all three of those guys, I think.
1: Yeah, and it was, it's kind of out of the box. It wasn't, there wasn't really hinted to. You had Marcel, but you had Vinci down in NXT being a supermodel or whatever. So, do you think they give through that entrance, Rocco? The old school? No, the entrance where he, the freeze frame where he would point at the camera. Oh, Can you imagine
2: he's, that real quick? He's going to take all of uh, Eli Stone's boys or whatever that guy's name is. He's going to take all his models and put them in Imperium.
1: Oh, gosh. All right, so the final big match here was Riddle versus Seth. The build to this match was great, short, easy, and effective. Great emotion, which played into the story and structure of this match. Uh, don't forget, this is the first match of the feud here, so as the story goes, so does the feud go, which was already hot, hot, hot to begin with. But in reality, you can't really overflow like the excitement and the brutality yet. Because it's the first match, Seth needed to kind of gain the psychological advantage as he has been in the story. So it's kind of like, that's how the match structure went. It started hot, Riddle came out of, you know, Riddle jumped him with a fist of fury to start. And then Seth kind of grounded him and then started playing the mind games, talking shit, pissing off Riddle, the MMA fighter who would br- brutally br- you know kill him in a MMA fight but Seth is that conniving little asshole of a character who squivels and gets his way and manipulates people and Riddle is he was so emotional he was easily manipulated so it played right into the Rollins' hand which is kind of why he won the match in the end so the bill this was very well wrestled but at the end Rollins is talking shit. Riddle has had enough. He goes to take a steel chair. He swings, misses, hits the announce table. Rollins scurries back in the ring. Riddle follows him. Curb stomp. Another curb stomp off the middle rope. One, two, three, go home. 18, 20 minutes. Really well wrestled. It didn't peak in emotion, but it was very effective to the structure, to the build of the story so far of Riddle being unhinged, not knowing how to control his emotions, not growing enough as a character to be able to control his emotions in Rollins playing into that veteran cocksucking asshole that manipulates him. And so he can wrestle within his lane and really do his thing. I thought this was really good and I don't think it's going to be their best match. And I don't think this is going to be the end of the story at all. I think it's just starting and it's already super high and it already peaked. Great showing from both guys here. Um, I, I'm, I hope they're going to gear up to another one being at extreme rules. I assume that there's going to be a stipulation to that. Maybe extreme rules, maybe, I, I don't know the stipulation. It's, it's way too early to tell, but overall I thought this was awesome. Now, Eller, when was the last time Seth Rollins won on a PLE slash pay-per-view?
3: Yeah. So if we want to do like, just a match he was part of he like team raw won when he was on uh at survivor series 2021 but if we're doing a singles match we have to go back to june of 2021 so we're that 15 months uh july june 20th the day after my wedding actually and uh he he beat cesaro at hell in a cell like when they just kind of made hell in a cell like in the middle of june for whatever reason um that was the last time he won a singles pay-per-view match
1: Wow, and then that that's not including the disqualification win at the Royal Rumble 2022 against Roman. That's so,
3: yeah, pinfall. Um.
1: Wow. So, so he had a big win on over Edge on a I want to say like early September 2021, the second match in that series. So all the way dating back to Cesaro a Hell in the Cell. Holy shit! That so that's a testament to how good of a character, Seth freaking Rollins has become where he, he doesn't get wins and he yet kind of stays at the, where he is on the card. He makes a ton of dudes. He has great feuds with Rollins, uh, with edge and with Cody He has a great feud with mini feud with Roman and he hasn't won in 18 months. You said Eller or sixteen? Uh, 15.
3: Yeah. 15. 15 and eight.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Do you have any more respect for him there, Rocco? <laughs>
2: Uh, that doesn't make me respect him as a person anymore so no
1: (laughs) but you but this match is an example of the seth rollins character as a whole he's a manipulator he's a sniveling conniving excellent wrestler who uses his tactics to psychologically beat them when his opponent's is better than him. Next time he faces Roman Reigns, it's going to be a no DQ match. Um, he was able. He hopes he's done with Riddle, but he's you know it's he's not going to be done with Riddle. But psychologically, he put himself in the best spot to beat Riddle. So I don't know. I I like Rollins. I'm not like a super diehard fan, but I enjoy, i enjoy and respect most of all of his work. Uh, Rossi, which one of these guys would you do you think? would most likely be world champion next. And which one would you put in that spot? I would put Rollins in the spot. Um,
0: I, I definitely think he's shown over the last year how versatile he is. Um, I mean, the guy lost how many straight months did we just say 15 um, and he still held to the high star regard. I mean, go back to the rumble this year and he had not one for what, probably nine months and he was still in a super hyped up match with Reigns. So, um, I think that the guys just got it. Um, he's so important to that TV. Um, I, I, he's probably the most valuable guy they have other than Reigns on that entire roster, um, which, you know, some people might disagree with that. But I mean, look at what he did for Cody. Um, I mean, losing three matches in a row and Cody didn't look like he looked like a million bucks when he was going through all of that. So I, I would give Rollins the rub because I feel like he, the story with him makes the most sense. And again, look back at when he lost to Reigns at the Rumble, or he beat Reigns at the Rumble with a DQ finish, right? So there is definitely legs there whenever they decide to go that route. Um, Riddle, I love, um, and they're really starting to turn that corner with him with the serious that I, I bitched and moaned about here a couple, couple weeks ago or a month ago now. Um, I love what they're doing with him. I thought the perfect move here was Rollins winning this match, so then Riddle can set up to win the future matches in the feud. Um, I can't say enough good about this match. I thought it was beautifully laid out. And overall, though, when all said and done, Rollins is the guy that I think would be the best fit to be a champion out of these two next. I'm not saying Riddle won't get it and won't get to that point, but I think um, Rollins, you can snap a finger and put in that spot at any point, and no one would bat an eye.
1: Yeah, I would hope it would be Riddle, but I it might be Rollins, especially if they really split the belts. Roman has one more big match set up with Rollins, and uh, if it's for the WWF title or WWE title, I wouldn't really rule out Rollins. I think he's well-deserved. He's had some of the best – filled some of the best WWE TV in the last few years outside of the Rey Mysterio stuff. Post-Rey Mysterio, let's just say anyways. And, um, oh, well-deserved, and, oh man, it's the year of the Shield. So let's let's get it, Rollins, I guess. But Riddle, he deserves it, too. I'm just he's just not he really isn't ready yet, but they could easily heat him up. And under Triple H, I think he's heading in the right direction. Uh, Rocco, how long do you expect this feud to really last?
2: Um, Probably too long,
1: Um, but (laughs) but honestly, like,
2: why would Rollins accept another match against them? He won. He beat him in the middle of the ring. He didn't even use a weapon or anything like that. And to me, I mean, that's hopefully where the story will be told and be cool. But in, in my brain, it goes, well, he won. He beat him. Fuck, I'm done with you, dude. Like, I'm not going to fight this guy who wants to kill me again. I outsmarted him once. I got nothing left to prove. And I'm going to go, like, you know, win some titles or something. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play that off because he did what he needed to do. Um, I didn't need... The chair seemed a little weird to me for Riddle, because if you are this, like, you know, you're a UFC guy, don't you want to just choke Rollins to... I know I get that the story is that he couldn't handle it anymore, but this guy shouldn't need to pick up a chair, like, and start, like, trying to hit someone with it. So to me, that was a little wonky. I didn't love that as much as you did in terms of the... the, the why he would do that, because he's a fucking... he wants to kill this dude for talking shit about his family. I, I don't want to shoot you. I want to stab you. I don't want to hit you with a chair. I want to choke you out. So that, to me, was a little wonky. Um, But, um... Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I'm not gonna hate another match by them. I did think some of the like I guess like we were saying, it could be the first match. So something in the tank wasn't there, but I didn't see the hatred from Riddle that I wanted to. I don't know if his face can do that expressively. I think he just might be limited in his facial uh his facial features, but I I, I was me personally didn't pick it up as much as I kind of wanted to see from him, but that just could be from me
1: and uh I, yeah. I just think it's, I just think it's building. I think that it's not going to come out until it's ready to explode, yeah. to accelerate him up. Yeah, that the makes sense. I do agree that the chair was a little wonky too, but I understand why it's there. I I didn't really like Riddle like not lifting his arm
2: up to pick to kick out of pins. I don't know if you noticed that where he was just yeah, he's moving doing his
1: that shoulder, weird. Yeah,
2: it's kind of interesting. I like that. And we could say about the whole match, but I really noticed in this match that uh the commentary was fucking awesome this whole night, but Michael Cole was really laying down some cool stuff in the beginning of this match about strategy and role positioning, which is like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, old school, uh, you know, commentary coming back there a little bit. So I like that.
1: So Eller and, Eller and Rossi, if we have an uh, an observer year end of the award, is Michael Cole going to be our announcer of the year? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we did four hours on the Absorber Awards, where I did WWE, Eller did AEW, and Rossi did the rest. Epic show! If you haven't listened to it, check it out here on the dude. News he's Network.
0: he's got to be the best one right now. I mean, no way, I, I can't. Though. No, he won't. He won't definitely won't get the votes. I mean, it'll be Excalibur until he doesn't have a job. Um, but I mean, Excalibur like he struggles to read. Um, I'm not going to shit on him too much. I mean, AEW's had a tough enough week, but um, yeah, I mean, Cole, obviously it's a full year, right? Cole really has going to end up having an explosive second half of the year. Cause Vince has been gone, but man, the fucking difference that this guy makes without well, having, he's Vince this year, it's though, night and day. He was, he was, you're definitely right.
3: Yeah. Right,
2: Just I, would
3: vote. Sorry. I was going to say I'd vote for him. I mean, I Pat Mac is probably my favorite, but he's going to be gone for, you know, 25% of the year. So I don't know, you know, that probably would take some time. You know, that has to take go into effect. But I couldn't go with anybody on AEW right now. Um, I guess Wade Barrett would be another one I would consider actually
2: too. Yeah, Barrett's fun. Cole, Cole's like, it's funny because I just like hearing him mention like stardom, uh, like <laughs> yeah, uh, right, things, <laughs> incredible me, It blew my fucking mind that he's talking about stardom factions. But he, he's kind of like a like a girl, like your friend, like a friend that's dating like a shitty boyfriend or something. And you like kind of. They break up and then you go, oh, the person I like is back. They're not being influenced by this person anymore. You know, it's like he's back like this guy that like <laughs> had this potential and you see glimpses of it when you go away for a weekend and hang out or something. But every time the, the girlfriend or boyfriend's around, they they become a different person, you know, and it's like I think that's uh he's he's free. You know, he's living his best life now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i just thought sorry as a good opportunity to kind of shine a little light on cole yeah, he's, he's been killing cool. it up late and he, i always thought he got a little bit too much hate but it's you know that 2010 to 2012 run really stained him for like a decade really i
2: almost quit watching wrestling because of that <laughs>
1: That's the worst terrible fucking run oh god all right anyways. bailey Yo Sky and Dakota Kai damage control, C-N-T-R on the control spelling. Speaking of not being able to read um, versus Alexa Bliss, Asuka and Bianca Belair. Guys, barely pinned Bianca Belair. I thought it was great storytelling there. The match was fine. It was a little off for their standards, let's say, but it was still like a pretty good match, I would say. And I don't know. It's it's I think the pin was necessary. It doesn't hurt Bianca. They kind of killed her right leading up to it with this. With a uh, Dakota gave her her kick into the sky, sky with the moonsault finish, and then Bailey did her what, whatever, drop the elbow or whatever. So they killed her. Bailey pinned her. It was it's going to be a little delusional in a way, but I oh, don't. Hey, it's going to add to that match. Bailey never pinned her. Bianca pinned her twice before she got hurt. So all this match was was a lead to Bailey versus Bianca, probably at Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules is kind of shaping up to be a pretty good pay-per-view. And low-key, if they do it right, that could main event. I don't think it will, but low-key it could. But overall, Eller, do you think it was the right move to make Bailey here? And what do you think – we haven't heard from you on this. What do you think about the Bailey and her return with the girls?
3: Okay. Um, so, first, I did like her coming – I did like her getting the pin – I didn't think you made Bianca look bad because, like, all you Dakota and um EO hit, hit their finishers on her too. So it was like she, you know, it wasn't just like a one random little thing that happened. Like, I mean, she got her ass kicked at the end. So I think it was okay for Bailey to win. It doesn't make Bianca look weak. I'm digging it. Um, maybe not as much as I did at the beginning. I think that them losing the tag titles was a little bit weird. Um they're wrestling on Monday, so I think that I, I I would hope to see that to see Sky and Kai win the belts. Um I think I I know you guys have mentioned this, but you know, them having all the belts I think would be cool. I wouldn't do it for like, you know, a year or anything like that, but um I think it's Bailey's just so freaking good and it's pretty awesome that like this person who was considered like Somebody who couldn't talk five or six years ago, so freaking good on the microphone and so charismatic um, outside of her NXT character. So um, I'm not as hot as it was as I was on it, like maybe you know the beginning of August, but I still think it's really
1: good. Yeah, Bailey's fine. She's actually been really. Good. I don't. I don't want to say fine, like it's demeaning, but she's been really good. It's it is low key a little disappointing, but dude, they're just getting started. Let's be realistic. they got to find their footing. And they should be in a pretty good spot once they find their groove. I don't know. I kind of like Aaliyah and Raquel as champions. It's not about Aaliyah. It's really about kind of stapling Raquel as the future. But overall, I'm, I'm. if they were to drop it to damage control, whatever. I'm good with that. They're a very good tag team.
0: So let me jump in on this. So as soon as they announce this match, my – my um, spidey sense was up because I've Ryan. I know we've talked about it. I think I might have even mentioned it on here. Um, I totally feel like we're getting close to um, Sasha and Naomi's return. Um, now, as part of that, I did say that I thought that the first night against Monday Night Football was a good night for that. Um, if they can time that out right and do it at like halftime or even open the show with it um, to try to steal some viewers that way. Um, it's definitely the a, a proper lane. Um, I think that these guys um, coming back in a show to that level um, would really be a, a smart biz- bit of business. Um, and ultimately, I think that's that's a good time to do it. And I mean, what I mean by that is let's have um, them win the titles and then have the girls come confront them after that. I think that that's the way I would go. Let's see if they actually pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, they're kind of. With the returns, Gargano out of nowhere in the middle of the show, Braun out of nowhere in the middle of a match. We know both of those were coming, and they just popped up. Um, even so, with the Wyatt return and Sasha and Naomi, you gotta assume that it's gonna be kind of the same formula out of nowhere, and same with Sky and Dakota out of nowhere too. So it's a really good formula. It's kind of honestly, it's how it should be.
2: You got to save a couple of big ones for the rumbles though, right? Like, you know, I think that's going to be, uh, I think I would like to see that uh, happen for one of those uh, rather than just kind of showing up. But either way, I mean, if they're back on TV, that's a good thing for everyone. I really like the Bailey pinning uh, Bianca because hopefully they're all in on her now because it's, she's always kind of been the one that's kind of been left out of the main roster. I mean, she had one of the best and most important matches in the entire company's history and she's always kind of seemed like an afterthought in certain ways. So and hopefully that's like the time to be all in on her, and uh, I think it's cool that she pinned Bianca as well. Like you guys, where it's gonna like it's actually it's it's good because it shows that she could beat her, but it also is gonna fuel Bianca because she hasn't been pinned. I mean, she's been the champ for a while, you know. So like her losing is so antithetical to her character. Like she's the fucking best, right? So getting pinned, Bailey could use this to torture her for. And the way Bailey handled that on Monday, where she's like, Nah, I'm out. No, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna fight you. Was done perfectly as well so I, I think everything about this so far has been uh handled really well
1: any chance she beats her, Rocco bailey <laughs> that is
2: i'd like to see it i don't know if um you want bianca to stay long, a like, super long run until a mania run i mean i don't like to think that far play ahead but hmm? you
1: can you play a little hot potato you
2: know? yeah like i i, I you know what's it i I, I I love I, long reigns are fine, but like I like a nice old school fucking yeah. hot pass it around a little bit, give some rub on some people. So I love Bailey winning, get some uh heel uh little heel run, get some uh, baby faces to come at her, and then Bianca you know works her way back up, you know, and that's another great win for her. So uh, yeah, I'd love Bailey to win it.
1: Cool. All right, speaking of love and Rocco, Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown women's title. Better showing for Liv, honestly, but still below the high bar of WWE Women's Division. Um, Some really cool spots from Liv here, but also some really bad light in a bunch of stuff. The finish was pretty rough, but overall, a tick up for Liv matches, and despite all the hardcore assholes giving her shit, she's staying popular, she's connecting with the fans, and her charisma is starting to shine a little brighter as champion. Still doesn't feel like a champion, but... Her charisma starting to come out as like, instead of like that nervous, it was innocent, it was cute, don't get me wrong, but that like glass stare, oh my god, she had it first, which was a tender, don't get me wrong, but it didn't feel like a champion, so her, the, that natural charisma that connects her to the fans is starting to come out a little bit as champion, and this match was a, her best match as a single so far on this run, a little bit due to Shayna, sure, whatever, but It wasn't at the Becky standards or Charlotte standards that Liv has delivered before. But then again, it's not Becky and Charlotte. It's it's Shayna. But I don't know, Liv is slowly creeping up. Rocco, I know that makes you happy. Do you agree?
2: Yeah. I mean, you could talk about you know, her, the word work rate, but wrestling's about more than three-star matches and, and above, you know, it's a lot more goes three into stars. it. Two stars. <clears throat> Sorry. No, but I'm saying if that's <laughs> your bar, like anything below a three-star match isn't worth your time, then you're not watching uh, wrestling not for really. the same reasons I do. I'm not saying you're saying that, but there's definitely people who feel that way. And to me, like, I, that's that's silly. Um, Like, you're saying her confidence is a good point because it's like, it, that's not just her character. That's real life. This is a yeah. person who's been, who's never really had... A, the confidence of the company behind her she's been given little bits and pieces, and she's always done I mean, I think some of her matches with Rhonda for whatever they were were great and really helped Ronda get over. She really gave herself to Rhonda. she's always been sick in big bump matches, like she's always taken rumble bumps and ladder bumps, so like anything she's ever asked to, like she's done, and now she's getting the confidence to stand in front of sixty thousand people and have a fucking match that went uh at least ten minutes if I'm not mistaken, and you know. Do have have like uh, reversals and submission attempts and submission reversals that were pretty cool. I mean, you could you could give credit to the producers or Shayna, but like you put me in that match and I would be a fucking disaster. So like you gotta have the fucking ability to do it, and uh, I think she's got you know the little seeds. And her not losing is a great sign that they're not gonna give her a bullshit run and just have her. And that's that would just knock her right back down in that confidence level. You know what I mean? And I do see what you're saying about her confidence level seem. Up and like her voice is has more bass to it and she's not as emotional when she wins a match. And that's just a real life person just getting acclimated to running with the ball and being the champ, you know. So yeah, I saw what you saw, and uh I uh hope it means that she's gonna, you know, have a nice little run.
1: Yeah, that's also her evolving as a character being scripted too, you know. I'm
2: yeah, sure she's going from a girl to a woman. I and mean, yeah, you could say, well, she shouldn't be a girl anymore, but they 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 don't even know how to portray half People for years as adult women. So it's it's the whole company is learning how to do that too. So give her a fucking shot.
1: I think, at uh, the end of the day, I just think she's a, like a decent tag worker. But I don't know, LR, what do you think about Liv? We even heard your opinion on her. It's very, very strong on this podcast, live Morgan Give and Take.
3: It's, I don't, you know, you're not getting, there's no podcast you're getting better takes on Liv Morgan than. Um, so. <laughs> I, I was just going to add, you know, her going to a woman. I remember, like, Cole had this terrible line. Like, when her and the Riot Squad first debuted, it, I still remember it. He's like, Liv Morgan is a self-proclaimed juvenile delinquent. And I'm just like, oh, boy. If that's, like, her thing, like, this isn't going to go well. Um, that's, but, that's, such a,
2: that's such a Vince McMahon line, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit.
3: I liked her. Um, I... I sometimes like I want to catch myself like am I just rooting for her because I know other people don't like her and it, so I I wanted to really like catch myself during the match and see like how you know just like her reactions and how she wrestled um she got a huge pop outside of like that one week where she cut that weird promo about she thought the, the recount already happened with Ronda like she's gotten cheered like almost every week um I'm willing to give it again. I'm still willing to give it a chance. I'm guessing by WrestleMania season, she's not going to be in the title picture again, but I think that she can get reigns in the future. I think she could be a player that matters. Like we saw last year with Nikki ASA, she's like already, you know, the biggest push she's gotten so far in the last year has been going back to NXT. Um, so I, I don't think she's going to be in that level. And, um, She's working hard. It's cool. Again, I, I said the same thing with Bailey, but it's cool to see somebody who was like really terrible in NXT, like really work hard and, um, you know, become something.
1: Yeah, it's it's instant gratification. I think it's cool and interesting to watch her grow. But you just look at the depth of this roster and you're like, we're still going with Liv. But at the end, for her sakes, I hope it, I hope she does improve and it pays off. All right, so the last match at the castle, we got the Judgment Day. Priest and Finn versus Edge and Rey Mysterio, Team SmackDown 2002. Uh, Rhea Ripley flanked the Judgment Day, and Dom Mysterio was with Rey and Edge. Good match. Actually, pretty good match. It was fun. I personally liked how they the whole ordeal went down um, with Dom. Helping the judgment day lose, but helping really helping his father win and Edge picking up the win, the pinfall, right? So, coming in, you're like, Oh, Edge is gonna, or Dom's gonna turn on Edge, he owes him a receipt, Ray's gonna get stuck in the middle, and where does Ray go? Yada yada yada. Dom's gonna join the judgment day, and the judgment day is gonna win, but no, Dom psychologically. showed his father that he need him because Ray picked Edge for this match instead of Dom. So Dom kind of beat the Judgment Day by, you know, stepping up and helping Ray and Edge when warranted. So you think you got this big, happy family that won. Edge is kind of like, hey, kid, you know, you're starting to grow up. Way to be a team player. Way to see the light, you know, in You know, we we thought we were losing you, but but, you know, you helped us out in great win. And then he just kicks him straight in the dick. And I was just like, whoa, okay, I like this vibe. And holy shit, I just cared about Dom Mysterio. Dom Mysterio just got my attention for maybe the first time ever. And Edge was just so good, you know, kicked in the dick and then just staring off the space and just dropping to his knees and and just, just like dying. And then Ray was so emotionally great. Like, honestly, like Ray Mysterio emotionally great. Come on, what are we doing? So he the way he's like, what are you doing, Dom? And then he pushes Dom and then Dom simmers and Dom's just like, wow, you, you, you I just helped you win this match. You picked Edge over me for this match. And Jesus Christ, Dad, you don't see it. I'm ready for the limelight. These guys have been recruiting me in my ear in. Oh, shit. Like they got me. I helped them, but he, I helped them win the match, but fucking Ray celebrated with edge and he won the match with edge and I didn't, he didn't approve of me. And then he turned on him and then he gave his fucking dad a great show line clothesline. And then he didn't jump with the judgment day. You got the judgment day sniffling in the back, laughing and pointing. Ha ha. We lost the match. So if wins and losses matter, we look stupid, but at the end of the day, we won because we recruited our boy and our boy over here, we broke them up. We broke the Mysterios. We cracked the foundation. We we got and Edge, our nemesis, we you know, we got to him too by cracking his fam his best friend's family and like there's low key potential with Edge, Vicky Guerrero and Dom, like my mentor, Eddie, <laughs> you, you fucked my stepmom or whatever. Right. Those vibes, too. That's no one's talking about. So there's a kind of a lot of meat on this bone, and the way that they did it was the first time I ever fucking cared about Don Mysterio in a positive way. It, it there was no go away He, He was engaging for that five or six minutes that he turned. I love the presence with him walking down the camera. Maybe he's just he's just a natural heel. He's not ready for this babyface role. The Rock, Jesus Christ, I am not saying he's the Rock, but the Rock was a terrible babyface at first. He was pushed down our throat with tons of nepotism and like no natural charisma and whatever. Again. Dom Mysterio, not The Rock. Not saying that. But overall, like, just to give him a long term chance is what I'm saying. But overall, he grabbed me. And I don't think the match outcome really matters for how it played out. And I actually think it adds to the psychology of it, as I just explained it. Rossi, any indifferent here? Just the match outcome totally take you out? Yeah. Is the Judgment Day jabrones? But. Whatever. But they took two steps. They took a back a step back to maybe take two steps forward as a whole with Dom in there now.
0: Uh, So I love the turn. I thought that it was executed well. I didn't like, you know, having him help them win and then do it. If he was then going to turn like if he stayed away from Judgment Day and didn't join them, then that finish would have made more sense to me. But But he didn't join until the next night. But, I mean, am I really going to believe that in that two-day period he decided to talk to Rhea? Um, I don't know. It's weird to me, um, especially when last Monday he was kind of listening to Rhea in the middle of the ring. Now, I kind of put that on Edge and Edge and Ray kind of look stupid, um, especially Edge for trusting him. I can understand why Ray had, like, the blind dad thing to him, and I thought that was escalated um, pretty – done really well on Monday night. Ray's really good in this role. Um, and I mean, it's something that they've been planning for for a while, I'm sure. So it's a situation where I ultimately feel like Dom did a really good job on Monday. I don't know if I'm ready for him and Edge to have a singles match though. So I'm a little little afraid of that. Um, but I mean, Edge is good. He'll get he'll get him through it. Um, and I you know, there's definitely meat on the bone there. I mean, ultimately my favorite part of the entire thing was Edge's cell when he got kicked in the nuts. I mean, just that overly dramatic, slow, like staring Dom in the eye before he fell over. Like that's something that Edge can pull off that not many people can. And that's just with that like acting scraps that he has. Um, the turn worked for me. I just didn't really like how they won the match. I feel like Judgment Day should have won the fucking match. Like They continue to lose matches on pay-per-view, and ultimately now, yeah, they've gotten stronger with Dom in there, but they're still jabronis. If you only watch their pay-per-views, which a lot of fans do, um, especially in the Peacock age, why would I ever think that these guys are going to do anything big on pay-per-view? They always lose. Uh, So that's the only thing I didn't like about it, but I thought that the turn itself was actually properly executed.
1: Yeah, with them winning, Dom was sudden in the turn. By not his, he did that for his father. He was proving to his father that he should have picked him over Edge to win, and he proved to Edge and Ray that he's the one that really won the match on the outside. So the, maybe Dom's actions were instant in them needing to win was purposeful for Dom to still not get accepted and say, all right, fuck this shit. And then Ray with, I just went over all the emotions or whatever. So I, I don't know. I just see it different. Where are you guys at with that, Rocco? Um,
2: I would, you're definitely seeing a lot more than I was. You're digging deep into this. Um, I I always enjoy seeing a father, uh, get betrayed by his son because I don't like my dad <laughs> very much, so that's always great. Um, I mean, this whole this ever since Edge started with the Judgment Day, it, it the the bad thing is it just feels like it's been happening for a year. Just because when he was leading it, and then he was gone, and they were doing it, and it was really struggling for a while, and then adding Ray and Dominic, and that burn was so long, it just there's a lot of TV time for it that it kind of wiped me out in terms of my my level of caring. And like Mike said, it was they really are a, a team of guys who don't seem to win and have no purpose other than now they had this great thing where they just want to fuck with the Mysterios and Edge. And that's cool. Um but yeah, I think you're definitely uh, more uh, emotionally attached to it, and that's right. I mean, you know, not every movie's for everyone, not every TV show's for everyone. So I like that you're emotionally attached to it. Um, I'm not as uh, involved as you are, and uh, well, God, I'm this, not super I'm, uh,
1: attached to it. I just see for, see it for what it is.
2: Well, I mean, you're reading it uh, a lot, you're seeing a lot of the stuff that for me, a lot of just my complete uh, antipathy towards Dom. Kind of, I'm <laughs> just, I have no interest in this guy telling me a story. I didn't
1: it either. I don't either. <laughs> and then he, it was the first time he showed it. Eller, where you at? Kind
2: of lean more.
3: I, I guess I'm kind of in line with Rocco. Um, I, I and I guess every like Mike too, like they just lose all the time. And like they they actually won a lot. Like when Ed like they beat they always beat Styles. Um, they beat him over and over when Edge was in the group. But um, they beat Ray on TV all the time. Yeah, well that's fair.
2: That's fair. Ray's um, a Browning.
1: And it's also it's it's against edge, so it's they lose the edge until they beat them. I think Chase again, I, Chase boys, I, come on.
3: They're gonna be. I mean, Judgment Day. I don't think's going anywhere. I think they're gonna be around for a while. Ripley's really good there. I I think she's like the best part of the act. Um, and is she
1: cleared uh, yet by the way,
3: what's that? Is she
1: even cleared yet? By the way, uh,
3: that I don't know. Um, That's a good but, point actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She does a good job, like, in the outside. Like, she's got the character down. Um, So I'll add that. I think, I think she's really good. And um, I'm interested to see where they go with her and Dominic.
1: Yeah, a little China Eddie vibes there.
0: My thing, though, is, like, how long is this fucking feud going to go? I mean, it's been literally going on for when was the turn on Edge? The end of June? After. So backwards. right before Money in the Bank, right? Because he was, yeah. So it wasn't long after that. So, fuck, that was May, right?
2: And that's what I'm saying TV time, too. It's like the promos are long. The backstage segments are long. The Ray uh, anniversary thing. The matches they have tend to be multi-segment matches. Like, it just seems like this thing has been happening for, like, three years of my entire life.
0: And if Edge is going to retire next summer, I want to see him wrestle other people. <laughs> like, I've seen him now. Like, obviously, I want to see the singles match with Finn. Um, the, and I mean, I'm not disparaging the matches. The matches, for the most part, have been good. I thought the match with Priest was excellent. I thought that Priest and I mean, the Finn and Ray TV matches have been good. Um, Priest and Ray is just a weird dynamic. That's not that ma- type of matches. And for me, regardless, but I want to see Edge, if he's going to have like eight, like 10 to 11 months left, like he said, like he teased. I want him to start mixing up with other people. Like I don't, And this feud doesn't seem like it's anywhere close to ending. Um, they, they pretty much did the beatdown with him, and then he's going to wrestle again next week. I, I don't know. I, I assume that he's going to be off TV for a stretch at some point down the road after there's a big win, and maybe that big win comes next week. Um, but, I mean, do you really want to put Dom over him before you put Finn over him? You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I'm just not excited about Edge kind of being – and it's his stable – so I understand it extending out when they fucked them over. But I want to start seeing this guy have matches with some other people. Um, and ultimately, you know, AJ, what's AJ Styles doing right now? You know what I mean? Um, there's so many feuds and matches I want to see Edge have and his window's closing. And I just feel like he's tied up in a vehicle that maybe will get Dom over. But I don't know. I don't know if it actually will.
1: I think it's just a, it's going to help him regardless. All right. Quick hitters here. Gargano's back next week. I don't know who he's facing. I assume like a mid-card heel fill-in, Gulak of Raw. Um, but then you got Theory lurking too. So that should be a. I assume that's a Extreme Rules match. Uh, I doubt they put the briefcase on the line, but if they want to add a little juice to it, maybe they do and have. But then again, Theory kind of got to win. I don't think Gargano's going to go down the lane of a briefcase. Eller, what do you think of Gargano? I know that you were a pretty big fan of his in NXT, correct? Oh hell yeah. Cleveland guy. Gotta be a, oh, gotta support right. him.
3: <laughs> um I love been- him. He I love days back as a baby face. I love that, you know, even though the way stuff was awesome, you know, Rebel Heart back is great. I hope he went, I hope he gets a win against Theory, get him, you know, give him so a good run. You could always I know they cross paths a million times. You could always do now these guys first name back. You can do Tommaso Ciampa again. He's a great wrestler. He's a good character. I don't think he's ever going to win the world title, but he's good to have on the roster.
1: Absolutely, he's a great, he's a fresh guy to fill a great, great portion of TV, especially with Triple H's structure now of like long, solid matches. He's a great guy to have on Raw to go out and have bangers at like once a month, or and then just really good TV matches in between. So. I think him and Theory have been building well, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, KO is on a hell of a run, Rocco. Fantastic stuff. You know, really, three really good matches in a row on Raw. If it's the Drew match, the Gable match is fantastic, man. I gave that four stars. I thought it was great. And then last night or this week with the match again, who did he face this week? Oh, Theory, Jesus Christ. Austin Theory, by the way. Austin got his first name back. So, like, that's three really good matches in a row. I love the prize fighter build. I love that he's winning. And that, this dude's going out there taking crazy stare bumps, like, with Austin Theory on the, like, 930 hour of Raw. Like, what are we doing here, KO? Like, you're a fucking maniac. KO have a chance to beat Roman? I know it's early. We'll get into that in a little bit. But where do you, is that his trajectory? Or is he just teasing that because him and Sammy are going to be the ones to throw in the Usos? Rocco
2: he's one of the guys I think that they have, or at least trips has as much confidence in to do a Roman kind of thing. Uh, I would love it. Um, I say, let him run with it and let him go that way. That would be a really cool, uh, to if you fight Austin at one mania and then maybe go, uh, yeah. go for the belt. Like at the next one, that's pretty kind of, that's pretty cool. He's definitely been one of the major reasons why we've liked raw a lot more than I, well, at least I have in the past few uh, months or so, because he's on there a lot and he's having sick ass matches. And, uh, great promos too yeah well he's just everything he does is entertaining right yeah. so he's one of the main reasons i mean shit he gave theory his best match so you know go out there and make the kid right so he, i think he's doing that so yeah what i not wrong with it and that would be a really cool story to tell i mean i don't know his his character is interesting because it's cool because he's kind of nebulous and he guess he's a little austin where he just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants but he's not like shitting on anyone really he's just kind of not the crowd or anything like that so um yeah man i've been really enjoying him uh being back and being like old school ko
1: yeah absolutely rossi is this dexter miz stuff going anywhere (laughs) that 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 was an unbelievable top of the cage shot (laughs) just like so memeable and it's just if that's a word whatever we're going with it it's just like what did he do to him did he sodomize him did he Miz don't want to talk about it like what's going on dude that dexter is your guy
0: yeah uh, I'm, I like Dexter. Um, I, I just feel like, I mean, Miz is obviously a good foil to him. Um, I don't know where you go with something like this. Again, this is something that, you know, it's only been going on for like a month, and it feels like it's been going on for six months. Um, I mean, we know what it is. Dexter's a cool TV um, character, uh, but then the bell rings. So that that's where things can get a little bit wonky. I mean, him and Miz, I mean, I don't think that's a pay-per-view match. That might be like a Raw. Match at some point, but um, Dexter's got value for TV time. But I mean, him and Miz going long term here, I don't know if that's for me. All right, two
1: things with the Miz and Dexter I love how Chiampa calls the Miz Mike. I don't know why, I think it's absolutely like adorable. (laughs) I don't know, it's just it just kills me every time. And then, two, Dexter, is there any way? Well, first of all, when he choked the Miz out and the crowd started going nuts, I'm like, "What a baby face. Is there, but is there any way with Eller? You mentioned the way here that this could link Gargano with uh, Ciampa in a way. I think that they, I
3: think that they eventually get there. I think that Triple H loves those guys so much, and did, like they're such an important part of NXT that you have to eventually get them back as a tag team. I don't know who you turn like i I'm I'm eventually I'm you know Ms. is staying the heel. I'm eventually I'm guessing eventually Ciampa gets tired of him or turns on him and somehow Gargano is part I I could see a Ms maybe a Ms. Gargano feud for a little bit. Um and then that's how you get that's how you get there. Yeah.
2: Miz, cool. can, Miz could just turn on him and that's a real quick way, right? Just to make him uh face. One of the cool things I like about the, the whole thing with Linus 2 is that it's like a cliffhanger, and it's kind of something yeah. you, you haven't really had in a long time. And without a big main event to end the show, you, you kind of lose that little thing, right? So to have this thing, it's just like a you know middle-of-the-card middle, middle of the card feud, but every time it ends, it's like, oh, it's one of the most talked-about things on Raw. It doesn't mean it's the greatest match, but it's always some random-ass thing that's like, all right, well, what's going to happen next?
1: All right, so NXT Worlds Collides was Saturday or excuse me, Sunday afternoon. Started off with a fantastic match with between Ricochet and Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship. A real spot fest, but like a meaningful show opener, like high level spot fest. The flow was excellent. The work was great. And I really enjoyed that match for what it was. Um, the next match was the four way. Uh, Gallus didn't win. I thought Gallus was going to win, but they went with back to pretty deadly. Pretty Deadly uh, was the only UK team to win anything that night, so kudos to them. I like Pretty Deadly. I like the double. I like going back to Pretty Deadly. I just thought they were going to go with like the shinier new toy in Gallus, but I'm here for it. And I thought that was a really cool angle that we kind of saw coming, but we weren't sure, and we didn't think it was going to accelerate. Until as quick as it did with Damon Kemp turning on the blood, or not the bloodline, the Diamond Mine. And I kind of like how, at the end, Full Circle, Roddy, and the Creeds kind of stay together because I like them as a pairing. Maybe even going forward on the main roster, because I think Diamond Mine does have equity. And then we had the um, Dew Drop, the Dew Drop, with Nikki Ash. You know, actually a really good tag match versus. The TikTok team, or whatever I fucking call them, uh, Katana Chance and Casey Canizaro. I don't know. It was way. It, was it a great match? No, but was it a good match? Yeah, it was way better than expected. It was a pretty fun match. If haven't checked it out, it was you know it was definitely worth the eight minute watch. And then we had Mandy Rose, our girl. This was a pretty good three way match. Mandy Rose defeating Mako Satamora and pinning Blair Davenport to to unify the NXT. In the NXT UK Women's Championship matches. And then the match, one of the matches of the weekend on caliber with the three big matches we talked about with the castle, maybe even top two in my opinion. We had Braun Breaker beating Tyler Bate in about 20 minutes to unify the NXT title with the NXT UK Championship. Now, Rocco, did you catch NXT this weekend? And which out of the out of, did you see the tag match and was it better than the little three-way women's
2: oh that's an interesting question uh oof. i kind of like the uh the weirdness of the women's match i I kind of like weird matchups like that so i give it to that just because it was important and watching shot is you know always oh. great but uh, yeah i i was uh, i'm glad you like that one too because i thought that was a really cool match for um especially because those two are very new like they're uh, and uh, I think they have uh, unlimited potential. So yeah, I really like that match too. And any kind, you get the big heel team and the well, yeah, they were still wrestling heels. The big heel team and a smaller babyface in a tag. That's that's
1: that's never bad.
2: <laughs> you know, it's always a great recipe to have to have set up for a match.
1: Yeah, I I, I just both those women matches over delivered in my opinion for whatever bar you had, they over delivered. Eller, uh, was it? Did you enjoy that opening match? Uh, it was super spotty. It's, it kind of remind me of like a PWG slash AEW match where there's not much to sink yourself into besides the moves. But I think they went at a frantic pace, but it was worked extremely well, and there was a little low key structure to it too with the one on Umbridge. I
3: yeah. I agree with you. I I really enjoyed it. And kind of going to what I said before, this especially way more so than Walter and Sheamus or Gunther and Sheamus. uh, Really fun match. Enjoy it while it's going on. Probably won't remember it like too much in a couple months. But uh, really like Hayes a lot. I think he's close to being ready for the main roster. Um, Felt like Ricochet showed a lot more fire than I see from him on the main roster. And I really dug that thought he had a lot more intensity than a lot of his matches um, in his singles matches. Not that he gets that much time. So is um, it like an all time match? No, but great. you know, for what it was, it was a great opener.
1: Brought, set a tone and brought a lot of energy to the show and a lot of upside for the prospect for the car to deliver. I loved it a lot. Rossi. I think you might've called this Damon Kemp angle. Um, It hit hard. No pun intended. He laid out Roddy. So you kind of saw the red herring coming leading into it. But kudos to you, buddy. I'm pretty sure you call that on our Labor Day weekend preview on the NOSO network feed.
0: And I tell you what, man, I'm I'm happy that you remember that because I didn't. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think Kemp's got some potential um, and ultimately, you know, the creeds don't need the, the crew. Um, they're they're just fucking huge baby faces. I feel like already, um, but but Kemp you can get a little bit of juice out of. Um, I mean it's think of this if we if I told you at WrestleMania season that um, Kemp would be a much higher profile in this company than his brother would, um, you probably would have slapped me in the face. But um, it looks like we're trending in that direction. This guy is, looks like he's got some good upside, and his brother doesn't seem to want to get his head out of his own ass. So we'll see what happens with um, Gable, but. Um, Kemp, Kemp's showing me some some juice here. Uh, I think that he is going to have a fun little singles run here. Uh, maybe I would have him squash jobbers for a couple weeks, kind of build up some equity there before you maybe find him a tag partner and have him go at the Creeds. I think it's a pretty good idea. Um, and here's the Creeds don't need the titles. Um, pretty deadly. Um, they can hold that. I mean, I feel like they can continue to feud with Briggs and um, Jensen. Um, I loved the backstage stuff. Pretty Dudley this week on Tuesday's show yeah. It was just so goofy Them with Tony D'Angelo cracked me up um, Overall I think Pretty Dudley is a really fun act with Main roster potential It's kind of like, uh, like um, Slightly more over the top um, What was the Breezang- Breezango um, So let's see where they go with these guys I feel like it's a good test to see how they carry these titles And I love the use of Gallus Later on in the show too And the match with Bate and um, Braun um, I mean, cool match. Um, Gallus, they seem to want to do a lot with. And, you know, may, having to mix it up with guys like Bate and Braun right away obviously shows they've got some plans for them as well. So this roster got a hell of a lot better in the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you that.
1: Well, they kind of did merge the UK, the best parts of the UK. All right, so I'm not going to do a disservice to the main event. It was excellent. If you haven't watched it, if you're not an NXT watcher, please go watch this main event. It was a main roster quality match with a green guy in Braun Breaker, who's really not that green, but in a way he's green. He's been in NXT for like a year. But Tyler Bate has been in the UK since two thousand seventeen and he's just rocking and rolling. He was fantastic in that match. He and he didn't do as much wonky UK stuff that he normally does. He was grounded. He was frantic and Jesus Christ, that spear at the end for uh Breaker to hit that to unify the titles was Oh, I jumped out of my seat like, holy shit, what a fucking spear, what a moment, what a match, built so well, worked great, Breaker didn't look green. Real quick, I don't want to go over the match, real quick, just tell me, Taylor Bate is what, a top three, five, ten worker, Rocco, in this company, all combined?
2: Oh man, I put him up up there real high, man. Um, As far as entertaining, he's definitely in the top five for me, I love watching every match he's ever had. Uh,
1: Five, okay, wow, Eller? Well, um, you mean in NXT? You mean... Sorry. Overall, buddy. Whole company. <laughs> oh, I'll give him a top 10. We'll knock him down the top right. I'll right.
3: I'll go top 10, too.
1: Rossi, where are you? I was thinking 15, myself. Uh,
0: be- yeah, I like him a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to... I don't really have a, a passionate response on this one either way.
1: Yeah, with height not really being an issue the sky is really the limit he has like this unique charisma charm to him too and i bet you when he turns heel he can be a real cocksucker too but you know he has this connection with the fans on like in a live morgan ish way like during his entrance and his in-ring charisma is excellent when, when he
2: first debuted when mustache mountain first debuted it really felt special and different and i yeah. think i still have that vibe and those matches were so insane that you know together and uh, he's not even—he's not even a tag guy now, even though he had a great tag with Breaker uh, yesterday. But yeah, he just seems so special when that happened. So I, I just have residual from that just in my brain bouncing around. Yeah, Something
1: that you compared him to Liv Morgan. Is, no, not in ring, but in it his it, his charisma and his connection to the fans. No, I know. I'm just believe, talking about they,
0: they did as well. a former former relations that they used
1: to have. Oh yeah, no shit. I oh. pulled out of my ass to even realize it. Same height too, probably, right? Yeah. maybe. <laughs> When when
0: she's in heels, she's probably taller. Yeah,
1: he, honestly, with some of his past, I might like that too. But anyways, let's move on. Um life, 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 I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder, will it take me under, me, under, me under? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. smoking weed in the street. Ryan's Day of the week: landmark meter. We haven't done this yet, but this was one of the ideas I had when creating this podcast. So, landmark meter is. Just we have give let me an NXT call up a winner Royal Rumble winner for each male and female, a night one WrestleMania main event, and a night two WrestleMania main event. And I added one extra one. So, Mike Rossi, you're up first for my landmarker. Is is going to be close? Is going to be hopefully soon. Is who is the next opponent for Roman Reigns and when is that going to be?
0: Oh boy, so no extreme rules, right? Um, yeah. But then then you're going to have Saudi. That's when I would expect his next title match to go down. Um,
1: and that's early November, correct?
0: That's early November. So here's my thought, and I'm going to give you two matches. I think they're going to go right to Braun for Saudi. I feel like that's a big match for the Saudis because they probably they love Braun. Remember, he won that title there. Um, when he won the Greatest Battle Royal, yeah. uh, Greatest Royal Rumble, I should say. And then Braun's going to SmackDown. I really don't see where he fits other than a feud with Reigns. I mean, if he's running around on SmackDown and Gunther, I don't think you can go hit him and Gunther right away. So who's he going to feud with? You know what I mean? So um, I could see him getting destructive and doing something in the interim. While maybe we start to get towards that Zayn turn um, where maybe KO comes and helps him. So here's my fun thought is that, at, you know, we don't have an Extreme Rules, but by the time we get to Extreme Rules, we do have an Usos, uh, Zayn and Owens match that maybe that continues and gets blown off at Saudi. Um, and then ultimately, after Reigns beats Braun in Saudi, then we can get to, you know, Raw versus SmackDown, KO versus Reigns at Survivor Series.
1: All right, cool. So I'm going to play along too. I forgot about Saudi, but I actually think Braun Strowman fits perfect. So I went straight to the Survivor Series. And Survivor Series is Raw versus SmackDown, and I don't expect them to split the belts yet. So my idea was to have a mini tournament on Raw and a mini tournament on SmackDown. And at Survivor Series, we have a triple threat match. And on the SmackDown side... I would have Sami Zayn win that mini tournament. And on the Raw side, I would have Kevin Owens win that mini tournament. And we'd have a three-way match between Sammy Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Roman Reigns. And whatever in if either one of those guys were to win, that championship belt would go to that roster. So if KO won, WWE Championship belongs to Raw, it would go to Raw. If Sammy would win, the Universal Championship would go to SmackDown. And that's a creative way for me to split up the belts. All right, so the next landmark I have here is an NXT call-up. Eller, who would your next NXT call-up be?
3: Okay, so I went with a random one, and I—it's not necessarily the biggest star or anything like that. Um, I looked at like past WWE drafts, um, like of who was drafted, and there's always like a woman that was drafted who maybe they were high on that maybe people didn't think they were ready or weren't ready, um, but they brought up because they saw a lot in them. So my pick is Tiffany Stratton because I think she could be really good. I don't think she's ready. Um, and I can see them using her in programs and she can already kind of talk. So that was my pick um, just as like a random, like out of the blue, some person to get picked to the main roster.
1: Cool. So, I actually like that one. I didn't consider her, but I think she would be ready because she rapidly improved on the NXT brand. And her lights out match with Wendy Chu was kind of awesome in a way. I really love that match. It was fun. It was stupid, but whatever. All right. So my my pick would be the whole Diamond Mine. Bring them all up. Ivy Nile, Roderick Strong, and the creeds i give damon kemp a little shine i haven't beat roddy on the way up because it really doesn't matter but i like the dynamic of them together as a four group four-way group i think that they've worked past their differences and i think they'd be strong as a unit and i think that they would elevate each other up the card they give roddy a little prestige and i would and they would give uh and then the creeds could go right after the usos and really establish them because yeah they're green but they're ready and they have the presence and they kind of have it all right. So the next one we have here is Rocco. Rocco, give me your Royal rumble female winner.
2: All right. Um, I think the best way to debut this person re debut, I know, uh, we talk about the tag team action, but I'm going to split them and uh, Sasha comes back and wins the rumble. Um, I, I, the, them being a tag, we kind of forget that they were, they weren't really a tag for that long. <laughs> and, uh, it was a, a fine run or whatever. And I, uh, I, they, they were together, uh, uh, previously too. Right. But, um, I don't know. I think Sasha should just be alone and bring her back at the Rumble. I think it would be a huge uh, thing because it's going to take. It would be so long, right? Like even that's even th- what three months from now. So yeah, she uh, anticipate...
1: left in So yeah, that would be eight, nine months.
2: Yeah, so that's really good. And then she comes out, and uh, I think the place would go nuts. And uh, yeah, make her win. So that's my choice.
1: Cool. I do the same with Becky. I prolong her injury to the Rumble. Um, I would even announce in the. Interim that she's going to return at the Rumble. I would build it up and get that fan base ready for that babyface pop. And I would just blow her out and just have her rock and roll and have her beat Ronda or have her face Ronda maybe at a WrestleMania. So that's that's the road I would go down. All right, Rossi. The male Royal Rumble winner.
0: I mean, how is it not Cody Rhodes? Um, I mean, it feels like he was. Destined to win money in the bank before the injury. Um, And then now we're sitting at the point where he's probably going to definitely come back in that rumble. Um, It just, the shoe fits for him to win this. Um, The only thing is, you know, and you guys, I know you guys are about to talk about mania, but ultimately where, where does he fit in? If the rocks involved, um, obviously he's got Reigns. So is that how you get the title off of Reigns? Maybe at the rumble, against, like you said, maybe a Rollins, maybe a Drew. Both of those are matches that make sense for Seth, for uh, Cody. Obviously, Cody and Seth does not really have to happen at a year again, but the way I left that story, if Cody comes back, wins the Rumbles, so on the same night that Seth wins the title, obviously there's some equity in that. Um, and then, like we always said in the past, Drew um, is somebody that had a similar path to Cody. Obviously, Cody did it on a higher scale but that would be a fun match. Um, I mean, those are the two that I feel are the most likely to knock off um, Reigns between now and Mania. Um, I just don't know if, if you're doing Reigns and Rock, which I fully expect to happen. They've been talking about it. They won't shut the fuck up about it. Um, I think we, we need to get the title off of Reigns before that, because I don't see the Rock winning the rumble. So.
1: Interesting. So I kind of had, I had, if I, What I want is Riddle. Um, He can't go after the universal title. I would retell that story around January and make his earn his weight in the Rumble. And then I would have him go Chris Benoit style and win it. Hopefully he doesn't murder his family. Um, But an outside the box. You kind of stole my shine on one of them. But I would go. I kind of want to go drew and somehow if the, if the titles are split, I want to go drew as a heel against Cody. Cause they both have that path of leaving the WWE, making a fucking name for themselves and really coming back as like the conquering hero. So drew as a heel to kind of shut down Cody and, Drew kind of gets a little chippy post this Roman loss. And then Drew kind of he's gotten done dirty. So he kind of needs to maybe get a little dirty. So that would be a WrestleMania match that would set up. I know we're not talking WrestleMania matches yet, but that's not a main event match. But that is a nice. Second tier from the top. Semi main. And I think I would use the rumble to get there on one night. So that's that. All right. The next landmark here is the Night One WrestleMania main event, Mike Eller. What do you got? I'm.
3: It's something I thought would happen like right after Mania <laughs> last year, but I think they get back to it. I'm gonna go Becky and Ronda. Um, I still I this is obviously contingent on Rond or Becky being back from injury in time. I don't see. I don't. I just see. I see them just getting back to that eventually. Um, they still view Ronda as a really big star. I, I still think her promos are absolutely awful. Um, my, I would. You know, when Becky comes back, obviously she's a, she's a mega baby face. I would turn Ronda heel, uh, make sure she's in that heel role for it. And I don't even know if I really want that, but that would be my prediction.
1: Agree. That was my not white one too. But just to play doubles advocate. I will go Charlotte versus uh, Bianca Belair. I think that's a really cool match. I think that's a match that they should build to at WrestleMania. And athletically, those women could probably go. I'd love to see a 20, 25-minute match layout for them on a big stage. All right, let's close out the last landmarker moment here. And Rocco, night two WrestleMania main event. What do you got?
2: Yeah, Rock. I mean, Rock Reigns is too easy, and I'm gonna justify that by saying it should be on night one. That way, you could announce the the Rock for night two, and people tune in for both nights, kind of like they had with Stone Cold. I know it's probably not gonna happen, but it's too easy. I'm gonna say the Sasha return, and maybe that's the around the match. If you could really heat Sasha up as like this returning like hero, and you could really build, um um ronda as this total <laughs> heel that she is now and uh i don't know if you, you put i guess you probably gotta put the title on ronda at some point that's not that hard to do and that's a big match you could have uh sasha she's never really had a singles match win at mania right she only had that uh that one tag finally after like five ones in a row so i know to me that's a pretty cool story to tell this chick who was ostracized and left the company and came back and beats ronda ostracized or powdered and left i don't know you only say that because you're a misogynist person you didn't say that when brock left so (laughs) she didn't like what they were doing with her her career and she said fuck off man anyone would do that in the same position in their career someone was telling them to do something that was going to damage it if you had us if you had someone on a job tell you to do something that you thought was going to damage your company or your position you would say fuck off i'm not doing it i'm sure you have in your life so uh,
1: me, I'm not Come I'm on. Bust, I'm busting your balls. On this. You can't leave that out there. Brock left. So,
2: yeah, but he came back. Yeah, well, they gave him everything he wanted. <laughs> they fucking, they would have fucking uh, threw Triple H's children in the in the fucking uh, volcano to get him to come back for that show. So, the totally different story. He's had his dick sucked by Vince McMahon for years, and uh, and uh, Sasha's been routinely like not treated like she should be in terms of her star power. So. I think it's that completely was a completely different story.
1: That was a great moment live on Brock returned, though, I will say. Oh, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my night two is easy. Rock Roman. It, it's this whole bloodline thing is built up to it. They need to pay it off because I want to see Roman evolve. I love Roman, but him as a part-timer in this role um, needs to culminate with The Rock. I'm not saying The Rock needs to win, but th- it needs to get there so the direction can veer off whichever way it needs to be. If that's a babyface run or whatever, but it's been built for this for two years, even maybe even three years now at that time. So that's where I would go with Rock oh, or Rock versus Roman and just go home with it and see what they're. All right, Rocco's Rambling Minute. What do Hello. you got? Me?
2: I'll click here since we're talking about drew's music and we're talking about Liv's charisma and we're talking i was busting about three star matches and things like that and i was just thinking about the uh, in my like my love of wrestling a lot of it is the uh, the, the deeper cuts so the the strange guys and you know like everyone likes the the album the big singles but like the deep album cuts that really make you fall in love with a band or a movie that you know, there's the big blockbuster movie, but there's that one movie you rented with your friend one night because the big movie wasn't there. And it turned out to be like, oh, that's my new favorite movie. I never even heard of it. You know, stuff like that. Um, so real quickly, like like some of my guys, and I think me and Ryan were talking about this, uh, with the three-star guy, the, the the great raw match compared to me watching Abdul the Butcher. I don't give a shit about any of those raw matches. I'd watch any shitty Abdul the Butcher stab-a-guy match. Um, and some of my favorite dudes like that are like a Kamala. Um abby michael hayes just doing his michael hayes stuff one man gang you know and there's even guys like a tracy smothers i mean and uh a bobby eaton who are guys that don't have a lot of history but i just kind of like them but i'm just throwing them in there as just like random guys i always liked but who are some of guys that you just like i said i'm never gonna i, I love watching eddie and dean malenko have matches on ecw is one of the craziest things in the world but in my house i have posters of, i have paintings of kamala and Abdullah the butcher bruiser brody uh, Sabu, well, Sabu's generally one of the greatest of all time. King Kong Bundy, because these are just guys that I like. And that kind of thing doesn't exist anymore because everyone's so good. But like, who are guys that you just like because of an intangible thing? And because uh, a lot of everything with the, the WWE uh, Greatest Hundred on The Place to Be, you get to hear about work rate and the big moments. But like, who are the, just these guys that you just like? And they just make you happy when you think of them in wrestling. Because, uh, you don't really get to talk about that stuff as much because everything is based on, you know, we, we talk about more modern wrestling and also, you know, great matches and stuff. So I don't know. What do you is there a particular guys that stand out to you?
1: Uh, Yeah, even recently, like even like Enzo coming up, like I was just drawn to his charisma. He was like never good or anything. And of course, I see all his flaws. He's not the greatest person in the world. But whenever he spoke, whenever he came on the screen, annoying or not, I always listened and I was always drawn to it. hate it or love it but I always on that connection level for like low-end guys he was definitely one of them and honestly Zack Ryder was one of them too even before blowing up in 2010 him with on the ECW with like those short cut off legs him as an edge head him as a major bro um just I don't know he was just a guy I was always drawn to too even before I knew him as the awesome fig guy and the indie work or the indie killer, you know what I mean, in a way, or whatever he's doing now with his hot wife flashing motherfuckers left and right. You know, those are the two of the guys that were like outside the box, low card guys, just full of charisma, not super work ready but just I don't know, fun guys that I was drawn to. Eller
3: Uh this is gonna sound ridiculous, but um Brian Dan Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, um you know I know he's one of like the best wrestlers like, of all time, but the thing that drew him, the thing that drew me to him was just how awesome his character was, um, and how badly, like, I wanted to see him win, um, it was never about, like, how good the match was, my favorite match I think I've ever seen live is still him winning the title at WrestleMania, and I don't, I don't know that if you want to do a star rating, that's what, maybe, like, three and a half, maybe four, um, but, yeah, he just, he... I don't know. You believe because he believes, and I think that's really cool, um, and he just seems like such a nice guy, too.
1: Rossi, I can't wait to hear your Master Slamovich pick. No, I mean,
0: I'm going to go Kevin Owens, and I, like you said, kind of the thought, like, when this guy came into WWE, like, everybody and their brother was like, this fucking guy's never going to be a superstar. Look at him. Um, and look how quick he moved up. You know, the guy just – Eluded charisma, he eluded energy, no matter if he was going to be a heel or he's going to be a baby. Um, and he just kind of really put everything together f- for a big main roster run like within two months, right? Um, and then, even flip side, like Sami Zayn that's part of that as well. Um, a guy that came into wrestling um, under a mask, basically, and then he gets his mask taken off of him when he comes to WWE, and he's just an average looking guy. Like, he just looks like a guy that. You could beat up if you got into a bar fight with him, right? Um, But then the guy's doing, like, these fucking dives through the ropes and doing all of these weird things that you just don't see that anybody else was doing. And, you know, I still, like, I still contend that if if Sami Zayn ever wins a world title, it'll be, like, one of the biggest pops of, of my fandom. Because you know that this guy just has such a passion for the business. And he's been able to just turn... Everything around um, that they give him, if it's goofy, he's good with it. If he's not goofy, then he's able to be serious. You guy's always delivered when it comes to that. And then my last one's gonna be my my Baron Corbin, um, another guy that I've always been drawn to because he just always like I, I've always been interested by like the football players that turned pro, right? That became pro wrestlers, um, and he. I loved how he was brought up in NXT as, like, a killer. I loved his, his Mania debut and, like, subsequent stories there. Um, and another guy that, you know, give him the dumbest shit, whether he's the king, whether he's the um, the poor man, whether he's the rich guy, he tries to make it work. Does it always work? No. But he gives it its honest effort, and you need to heal, he's there. Um, I don't know if you'd ever get a baby turn out of him, but we'll see. Um, I feel like he's got um enough of uh of uh energy to him that he might be able to pull it off so he's a guy that's always been like my uh my hidden pleasure in wrestling um and you know even though he's a lovable loser at this point because he always loses his matches um he's always done a good job in making other people look good so those are my three
2: even though i'm not a fan of his he was very over in nxt for a brief period of time where he was like pinning guys in 10 seconds I don't know if you remember that little period that he had.
0: Yeah. And the crowd would, the crowd would chant, like just count out how quick mm-hmm. cool his matches were. Yeah, uh, so- I love that, that era. I mean, that was when I first, like my first NXT show was, uh was like their first house show, like Mania weekend in San Jose. And he was like, he just had this energy that the crowd loved him, And that was really when I got drawn to him. And, you know, I went to a couple of NXT house shows and he was always entertaining. And, you know, I liked, I like his character work. I always thought he's has been able to. You give him one thing, he's gonna make the best of it.
1: Over here, picking main event guys. When I'm over here, freaking picking Enzo Omari. All right. Speaking Ross, of NXT, can't...
2: the uh, the Emma run in NXT was also really fun for something that was so uh, silly and uh, really popped me every time I saw her come out and dance to that crazy song too. So <laughs> same matter. but
1: hopefully we see her soon, Rocco. Oh, I hope so. Hey, Mac, Mac. Well, we have a quarter, guys. Mac oh Cat yeah! Congratulations! <laughs> you almost made me forget. Matt <laughs> Cap Moss, congratulations on the new love. <laughs> we got it in, buddy. All right. Speaking of getting in, Rossi, indie corner. What do we got here before we get out of here?
0: So, uh, run through some things real quick. So, uh, Beyond Wrestling, um, that's kind of been our, um, our local guys here, you know, after the Drew interview a few weeks ago, obviously who we care the most about, right? Um, they started announcing some matches for their show at Patty's Beach Club on the 25th, um, which is going to be what, two weeks from this coming Sunday. Um, all tag matches so far, but there's kind of got a wrestling open versus Beyond feel to it. So, um, coming out of American Rana. Uh, the two names that kind of ripped the uh, ripped the roof off the place the most was Rex Lawless and Ryan Galeone. They're doing a tag match against the Brick City Boys, who were the runner-ups for the Eliminator Cup um, that was a part of the main event of the No Respect show before American Rana from Wrestling Open. Um, and then kind of piggybacking off of that, the six-person tag, Waves and Curls and Willow Nightingale against the miracle ones of Dustin Waller, Ichabon, and Kylan King. That kind of came to fruition at the end of American Ronda when they had that big stare down. So that'll be a fun match. All, all six of them can go. So that'll be good. Um, LMK, Little Mean Kathleen and Teddy Goods are going up against Locked and Loaded, which is 50 Cal and Dan Barry. That'll be a kind of a goof one, but that'll be entertaining for a beach show. Um, and then uh, the lovers quarrel of Alec Price and Becca. Um, go into tag action with the shit crew of Bobby Orlando and Bryce Donovan. So see if Alec Price and Becca can get on the same page there. Um, Beyond's just doing their regular shit with with wrestling open right now. You know, every Thursday they're still packing 200 or so into the White Eagle. Um, So if you're ever in the area, go check it out. Best 10 bucks you can spend in wrestling, I think. Um, Two hours of just solid entertainment. Now, GCW ran this past weekend in Chicago as part of Uh, All out weekend. Um, And Hoffman Estates actually found a place called the Grand Sports Arena. Now Friday night they ran a show uh, co-promoted with Black Label Pro called Four Cups Stuffed. Um, Some that there was two cups stuffed and three, and then this year was four. So next year will be five. Uh, Matches on this show: uh, Mike Bailey defeated Kylie Ray. Shane Mercer threw around and beat the shit out of Marco Stunt. Um, Joey Janela defeated Ernest the Cat Miller in about twelve minutes. Um, And main event was. uh, ten was a 14-man tag between Team GCW, of uh, Blake Christian, Ciclopé, Cole Radrick, Jordan Oliver, Miedo Extremo, Nick Wayne, and Tony Deppen against a team of Black Little Pro, um, which, you know, Levi Everett, Kevin Q, and guys of such. Um, but the match that kind of had the most talk coming out of this one was Killer Kelly and Tom Lawler defeating Billy Starks and Brian Alvarez. Um, just entertaining match. I mean, this is something that... If you're a an Alvarez and, and Lawler fan from the F4W uh, podcast, they, they played off a lot of that shit there. And Alvarez was just a detestable guy throughout this. Billy Starks didn't want to work with him at all. Um, but fun, entertaining match. Killer Kelly is uh, kind of getting her shit back together here. And I think she's got a big run coming up here in the Indies. Uh, maybe she'll end up finding her way back to WWE or AEW. Who knows? Um, and then the next night, they did The Art of War, uh, which was their war game show. Um, same arena on Saturday night. First match was a two-ring ladder scramble fuckfest match. Like, that's actually what it was called. Uh, Joey Janela uh, retained his DDT Extreme title, uh, defeating Cole Radrick, Dante Leone, Drago Kid, Gringo Loco, Mike Bailey, Shane Mercer, and Tony Deppin in what was, in fact, the fuckfest. Um, other matches on the show, Blake Christian defeated Alex Shelley, um, which was, you know, same weekend. He had some crazy matches. He was on Rampage on... Um, Friday against Phoenix, so that was kind of a cool weekend for Blake. Uh, Tag team match, Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis defeated Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. This is a really good match. Go check that one out. Um, The match that probably people saw the most on Twitter the next day, Matt Cardona defeated Jimmy Lloyd for the internet to retain the internet title. Um, He came out and pretty much challenged Jimmy Lloyd and said, hey, you win, you get this title and I fuck off from GCW forever. Um, Finish came when Chelsea Green jumped up on the on the ring ropes and flashed Jimmy Lloyd. And, you know, Jimmy Lloyd saw a uh, set of breasts for the first time and probably ever. And um, he took the the loss on that. And, you know, you can probably find that pic all over the Internet right now. Um, and then in a crazy death match to gear up for the main event, Sawyer Wreck defeated Charlie Evans. Um, main event, Alex Colon and John Wayne Murdoch won the GCW tag titles in a War Games match over the Briscoes, Bussy. Los Macisos and the Second Gear crew went about 31 minutes and was as gross and blood-filled as you would expect from that crew. Um, Alex Colon, I think, went right to the hospital after. I think about half his face was in the second layer of skin by the time that match was over. Um, Now, GCW is off this weekend, uh, but they are running JCW Uncensored, which... um, uh, Rocco, are you still going to this show?
2: Oh yeah, got tickets and everything.
0: Cool. It looks like a good one. I mean, if you look at this card, it's better than a lot of standalone GCW cards have been lately. Now, JCW is essentially GCW's developmental. These shows are free on YouTube. They're normally, like, Sunday afternoons, but this is one that's going to be 8 p.m. on Saturday. So try to get some eyes on it. It's free on YouTube. Um, So some cool matches. Now, Uncensored is obviously a play off the old WCW pay-per-view, which was kind of like WWE's Extreme Rules, right? lot of gimmick matches and that's what this show is going to have as well so as you're going to see a lot of these names are regular gcw regulars um just kind of getting some hype on these jcw shows feels like a gcw show like like i said if you go back to the gcw shows in atlanta and charlotte from a couple weeks ago um these this mad this is a better card so um Biggest matches on this one are the eight. I'll run through them all. Cole Bradrick is going to defend the GCW Extreme title in an Extreme Rules match against uh, our, our Beyond boy, Alec Price. So uh, I think we know who's going to go over on that one. Um, Barb Wire match between Mance Warner and Slade. Uh, Slade's had some crazy ones with Matthew Justice, so this one will be nuts. Um, the DDT Extreme Championship Body Slam Challenge between Joey Janela and something named Beast Man. So that ought to be entertaining. Um guy actually wears like a like a bear like on him, or like, a, like a fake, like I, I, you'll, you'll see it on, on Saturday, Rocco. You'll have to take a picture of Beast Man for us. <laughs> I'll try. Um, and then a bull rope match between Charles Mason, who plays like a creepy stalker gimmick, against uh, one called Manders. So that'll be fun. Um, Mason will probably win that, even though he's out of his element. Uh, Lucha Extrema is going to be um, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers, of, which is Wasted Youth against Los Mesisos. So that'll be flip-flip. A flippity floppity fest for you, Rocco. Um, and then we'll have a martial arts match with Speedball Mike Bailey and Yoya. That'll be fun. And uh, the two two ladies matches we're gonna have Janai Kai and Sawyer Wreck in a Last Woman Standing match. Now that's gonna be a little interesting. Sawyer likes to uh, so use the tubes and get get down and dirty. And, and Janai Kick is. Uh, well, she likes to kick. That's why it's just said kick instead of Kai as her last name. Real good, like, um, mat-based game. So that's really a clash of styles. And the last woman standing, don't really know how that's going to go. Uh, um, but then uh, the, the match that I think a lot of people are talking about going into this one is Jungle Kayona from um, Stardom is over in the United States. And she's wrestling Masha Slamovich. Now, that should be a regular GCW match. I mean, Jungle being on a JCW show is kind of strange, but Hey, it is what it is. They had her this weekend and not running GCW. So fuck it. Let's put a cool show together for free on YouTube and get some hype. Um, you know, good luck to him getting views against college football, but you know, it's a, it's a cool way to get eyes on your product and let's see how they put it all together. And Rocco, what match are you most excited to see on that show?
2: Oof, um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen a bar bar match in person. I think, maybe I actually i think i saw brian myers fight kevin matthews at pws once which is a really strange match but yeah i've never seen that and i've never seen Slade live either so i'm pretty excited to see it it's got to be crazy it's at the boot and elks launch which has a, a decent history there used to be a lot of wrestling is respect shows after chikara died and uh wsu women superstars used to run there a little bit so it's it has a little history and it's only about 15 minutes for my match and uh I'm going to tell my wife to lock the doors because Slade is only 15 minutes from our house and uh, God only knows what that guy's going to be doing after the night is over. So, uh, yeah, that's the match um, uh, I'm most interested to see. Cause it's, yeah, that's, open.
0: That's a good idea. Locking the door because you just sick fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, the that that should be the main event with Barbwire, wire. I can't imagine you. You got to figure with barbed wire, you open or close with it. So I think closing with that with a little intermission before is the way to go. Um, I'm very interested to see how that body slam challenge goes with Janela. But um, fun show. Check it out YouTube this Saturday, which is the 10th at 8 p.m.
2: It's That's all I got see, today, Ryan. It's a good way for free to see GCW if you've never seen it before because it's pretty much the same thing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. All right guys. Well let's keep it under two. Let's go home. Eller, my buddy. It was a blast, dude, having you back. First time getting someone back for the second time. So uh that's cool. We haven't podcasted uh... a while. So it was good to kinda get back in the flow of things with you, my old podcast buddy. Yeah. Back uh
3: W uh <laughs> our two thousand eight Raws that we used to recap. It was good to be back on um, I better be the first three-time uh, guest, too. I, I'm holding you guys to that.
1: <laughs> All right. We'll book you. We'll book you now. All right. Eller, you got anything you want to plug, or are you just in and out of the No-So Network?
3: In and out of the No-So Network. You'll find me here and there, and uh, always love being a part
1: of it. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Rocco, mm-hmm. anything before we're out of here? Where's your band coming up next?
2: Uh, we're going to be in uh, Montclair, New Jersey and, uh, at the end of the month. Uh, but uh, look for me. Drunk as shit on the aisle seat at uh, JCW, and uh, I'll be very aware that people I know might be watching. So hopefully I'm not on camera too much.
1: Oh, I hope you're on camera the whole fucking <laughs> time. <now. laughs> Can you wear like a Ryan Gray T-shirt or something? Do you have anything like that? Uh, sure. I mean, is it a just, youth? No, just youth get a, large. <laughs> just get a white white Hanes T, and just write my name on it, dude. That's a,
2: oh, all right, you got the. I'll sure if, you, if that's if that'll tickle your fancy, I could do that for you. I'll get some of Mans blo- uh, Warner's blood on you. And, uh, <laughs>
1: Can you imagine them looking at you wearing that T-shirt? <laughs> what the fuck are those, those barbed wire match. You got Rocco Marteau wearing a Ryan Gray T-shirt in the background. <laughs> they might slice your ass, dude. I think I deserve it. <sighs> yeah, probably. All right, Rocco or Rossi, anything for bud?
0: No, man, excited for football season. That's all that matters. Fantasy season is uh, all the drafts are done. I actually did one while I recorded this guy, so. Um, you guys didn't even fucking notice. I'm, I'm trying to be professional. Um, but we're excited to see the the big boys mix it up this Sunday. And uh, i not going to lie, once football season's going on, I watch a little bit less wrestling. So um, I'll keep my WWE interest for you guys. But AW is going to probably get kicked to the curb a little bit these next couple months. All
1: right, hey, let's play around the horn real quick. LR Super Bowl pick, do not think about it. Gut reaction, go. Rams. Rocco. He's like Giants. the Giants from 1987. <laughs> they had a good team. Who'd you pick, Rocco? I
2: go with the Giants every year. I'll be disappointed, though. will pick another Fucking Jabroni Rossi. If he picks the Dolphins, we're hanging out.
0: I won't. Um, I'm going to go outside the box, and I'm going to say the Indianapolis Colts.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. All right, I'm going Vikings. Out of the box, Vikings. All right, guys, great episode. Eller, Thanks again. Rocco, see your ass on YouTube this weekend. Rossi, great job as always. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you on the next one.